Hello and welcome to episode 182 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this episode Gold Rush because we've got impressions of the rapid fire experience that is WarriorWare Gold, plus analysis of all the big and small, I guess, numbers from Nintendo's latest quite positive financial report. Um, yes. Yeah. We're also going beyond just the punny name to finally give our takes on Fortnite. It's been a long time coming. We kept promising it. It's finally happening. And we're going to discuss some upcoming indie games and some downright weird decisions by Japanese publishers as of late and the new Labo vehicle kit. So uh, on top of all that, actually, and I think about it, since this episode is a day late, we also are going to be talking about EVO 2018, which took place over the weekend. And uh, we've got timestamps for all that over at RamTown.com. It's on our YouTube video if you go to RandomNintendo.com on YouTube. But uh, before we dive in, let's address why we're a day late. Angel, you just got back from a two-week trip to Mexico. And Jason was sick all weekend, and we had to postpone it because well, of that. Well, no. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm still sick, but you, you got back from a two-week trip to Mexico. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, I, I thought we could have recorded like no, via you, mic and uh, Skype you, overseas, as we've done one time. We've never done overseas. Well, we not did overseas. it across L.A. County. <laughs> like, they're a little different. <laughs> just a little bit. But, I mean, I suggested that, and you're like, no, we have to do this in person. And I was like, okay. And then... Wow. Great. So that story had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Great. But how was Mexico? Like, I haven't really talked to you since you got back. What, like, any gaming tales in Mexico to share? Like, I think when I went to Australia, it was so different gaming-wise. Well, you, you threw a few questions at me, so I'm going yeah, to I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer them in the order I received them. So. That, that makes sense. Yeah, unpack it. Yeah. So, so how was Mexico? Um, Mexico was great. I honestly, like, I... Coming from, like, um, like Mexican parents, I, I, I thought I would visit mexico more often i used to mix visit a lot as a kid or you would think i would visit mexico more often um i went there a lot like as a kid like and i mean like from one to like seven years old so i don't really remember all of it but at some point i don't know i guess i just never really felt like going back and i always knew my family from over there was great but over like but 10... not great enough to visit again and it's not horrible to say, but i mean like no like like i love them obviously but like whenever i mean i went to japan twice before i went back to mexico and you don't have family in japan no i don't yeah well you have your nintendo family yeah i was about to make a joke along those lines but yeah there's that no but yeah, the last time i went was over 10 years ago and it just felt like it was too long because the family from there visits here all the time and they're always like when are you gonna come when are you gonna visit us and i'll say eventually and like i still first have to go to japan a fourth time <laughs> exactly no but i went over there and yeah to say was eye opening would, would be an understatement like i pretty much came back appreciating the culture like there's so many things about just walking through like like the small towns where it looks like every like yeah the construction the i guess the architecture of every building it's like everything is attached to each other it's like they decided to make get the most out of each block as humanly possible because there's like basically no alleyways between houses it's like uh-huh. it's the most literal definition of a block if you can get when you say like i'm down the block because there is no other place you could turn into huh. but and also just like the people are nice the i mean the backdrops is like depending on where you go obviously but for the most part wherever all the places i went were almost surrounded always by like giant jungles and forests mm. and just so much green and if you watch coco if you see the part of the land of the dead where all the houses are kind of stacked in like in a ladder of sorts and they're all colorful that's kind of what it looked like i mean obviously that's where they got inspired from but yeah, it was really great. The only other thing, I mean, food is also great, as you can imagine. Like when if you eat a lot, if you like enjoy Mexican food, eating it at Mexico just has a- real Mexican food. For those on the East Coast, we're not talking about what you call Mexican food, just so we're clear. Yeah. New York Mexican food is not Mexican food. Burritos aren't even Mexican food. It's true. Yeah, 
I, I learned that before, right before I went to Mexico and I was kind of surprised. I'm like, oh, it's an American thing. I guess it's the whole like orange chicken misconception all yeah, over again. Yeah. Or French fries not being French. Oh, I, well, I, that was a little more I, obvious, yeah. but yeah. Orange chicken. Yeah. It's not Chinese. It's a Panda Express creation sort of. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it was just a nice vacation. I got to really relax and not think about anything. I didn't. I've been posting things on Instagram every day, like animation related usually because that is what I'm pursuing. Yeah. But I stopped doing all that just to completely unwind and it was great. But while I was over there, I did try to keep an eye out for video game related stuff. And I mean, people do have like modern consoles. I mean, I, I didn't visit the most, I guess, modern city. It's still, it's like somewhere, it's like two thirds of the way towards a modern city compared to like very rural areas that are exist in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like I did visit some of them for like a day or two where it's literally just like paths made of like random pieces of like stones and random rocks where you see like cows crossing the street, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like pretty much like farmland. Yeah. Um, where I stayed at was like definitely more developed, but not like nowhere near like Los Angeles or something like right, that. Right. Right. But you still see PS4s in people's houses. You still see Xbox ones. You still see actually, I did not see a single switch while I was over there. Or Switch games. Um, Weird. Yeah. Interesting. You do see a lot of really old consoles, because that's mainly what people had. Yeah. And they just kind of like stick with them. And there, man, you don't really see too many. Um, it's funny, while you don't see a lot of game stores, I didn't see any proper like GameStop or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The only place you could buy games are if you like drive like maybe 30 minutes from the town. You get to your one Best Buy, your one Walmart, your one... At Costco, like right, like right. you can get your stuff there, but for the most part, yeah, they're instead of Seven Elevens, they do have Seven Elevens, but they're very few, very very few and far between. I did not see them, I just know they're there. Mm-hmm. They have something called OXO, like O X X O, and you could buy like Steam cards, Blizzard cards, and PlayStation Network cards there. Oh, interesting. So it's more digital down there than it is physical. Yeah, more so than here. Even. Yeah, definitely, and yeah, and it's really expensive over there. And while like the conversion rate, like when I bought. Like, I bought my cousins a PlayStation Network card for, like, as a, just as a goodbye gift. Uh-huh. And it did cost me roughly what I would pay if I were to buy it here. It was, like, 900-something pesos. Right. Which is about 50-something like fifty bucks. So, about like, the if, same. yes, if you paid 50 bucks with tax. The only thing is that for everything else, like, $1 is worth about, tw- like, 20 pesos. Mm-hmm. And that's like really bad like compared to 10 years ago when i last went it was like one dollar for every 10 pesos so it almost doubled oh yeah, yeah. and i just like to give you a quick example when i went we went to a small town and like i bought like a round of shots for like my siblings and my brother-in-law mm-hmm. and that only came out to 200 pesos and they were like generously sized like shots right but in total that only came out to like about 10 bucks hmm. so it was like two dollars and fifty cents per shot and then they're like, that is the upside of uh, <laughs> having a weak currency is alcohol is just cheaper. <laughs> yeah, well, food in general, like almost and food, they have yeah. everything. Like there were like giant water bottles, like two times, like two or three times the size of what so is like this? two liter bottles versus sixteen point nine. This is five hundred milliliters, so let's say, yeah, like almost a two liter bottle, like yeah. a little smaller. Yeah, like you could get those for like about fifty cents if you like convert it right. I mean, wow, with, and with here them. the ones we're drinking right now, these are like a buck each. Yeah, at least. Yeah, like so, yeah, half the size. Yeah, something twice the height of this it would be like fifty yeah. cents. Yeah, and it's great for us if you're visiting, but I assume for them it's like yeah. it, it still feels like they're paying. Probably. That's what happened when I went to South Africa a few years ago. It's like we got like 
I went with there were like four of us that got a meal. It was all like farm to table, locally grown cattle that was at a steakhouse, whatever. Less than a hundred dollars for a three course meal for four people, including alcohol, including dessert. Wow. So yeah, like the the currency exchanges are weird, and if, of course, like you were saying, it affects game pricing and how accessible game yeah. is too for the same reason yeah because like for me it would pretty much cost the same because they're just matching our prices but for them it's pretty much feels like they're spending probably like a lot it's like australia pricing probably yeah yeah but there was a place that i did visit called like the center of technology it's not like a like a museum of any kind. yeah 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 i mean that's just literally what it translates to in spanish centro de tecnología centro is usually what you call like a marketplace uh-huh. so it's just more like a small building with just a bunch of stores in them that just usually sell something electronics related so kind of like an electronics mall almost. yeah the funny thing is that um the first floor is like almost all cell phone cases hmm. like 90 percent of downstairs like every single vendor just sold cell phone cases did they have like themed ones or like nintendo ones or pokemon ones or anything i did like see a nintendo one there were a few pokemon ones but mm-hmm. for the most part yeah it's just disney one i mean it's right like, just the usual licensed stuff yeah. yeah yeah but the second floor that one was all video game themed video game related oh. and that one had just a bunch of um most of them were like super nintendo and 64 there were a lot of playstation and xbox one game, like stuff being sold a lot of wii u games but but no switch yeah didn't really see much switch of anything what does the switch go for in mexico right something now? something nice that i did notice that i wish i had stayed a little longer for was that that place in particular has a tournament every month for smash brothers uh-huh but of course i i wasn't in there for the window so i would have loved to participate and see what, how that's about or how like the competition over there or how the community the fighting community is over there mm-hmm. like i'm sure they're very friendly but just curious yeah so the price of a switch down there translates to somewhere around 430 to 470 dollars so a little more wait uh like a almost 100. a third to half the Jeez. price over because the switch is 300 here. yeah so it's a, you're paying 130 to 170 more Man. That's nuts. Yeah. Only- Apparently, they don't get to set retail prices the same way as in the states, where it's like, you know, here it's MSRP, manufactured to just a retail price. That's the price you pay. Over in Europe, in Britain, it's SRP, which is just suggested retail price, which says the same thing in the words. But in Europe, they actually stores can do what they want. It's not like quite as enforced. It sounds like Mexico is the same, so you could find it cheaper. I'm just looking at a page. So, so, so it's like a but, store to store thing that you could find yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. The last thing that I'll mention. This is crazy. That, that I did find a lot more often was every once in a while you'll run into what looks like an arcade machine. That looks will, like. Yeah. Okay. Because it has a screen and it has usually some kind of controller popping out of it. Sometimes okay. it's an arcade stick. Sometimes it's an Xbox controller. Sometimes it's a PS4 controller. And then you look at like the the images around it, and there was one in particular that I wish I had taken a picture of it, but. It says Sonic and All-Stars Racing, but then it had a picture of Kratos, like, somewhere was on there. Was it Crash Team Racing? No. Oh. And then it also had a picture. Oh, wait, no, Kratos. I was thinking, never mind, that'd be God of War. <laughs> it had a picture of Kratos. It had a picture of a Ninja Turtle from the Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows game. It was, like, a direct-to-download-only game that bombed right. horribly. Right, from Ubi, right? Yeah, it was, like, one of Ubi's, like, last Ninja Turtle games. Yeah. And then there was also, like, Nathan Drake and a character from Grand Theft Auto. Up until those two, this sounded like your dream machine. Because it was Sonic and All-Stars Racing, which you prefer over Mario Kart, I feel like. It was Kratos, which you love God War. And it was Ninja <laughs> Turtles, which is literally what your life is about. And they're all on one machine. But then you said Nathan Drake, and it started falling apart. But Nathan Drake, Grand Theft Auto, what else were you saying? And 
essentially it's just a console attached to a TV in a casing and we and we saw those like a few times like there was one for Red Dead Redemption and there was another one huh that's interesting yeah so I'm guessing over there is much more common like instead of seeing your stand up arcade cabinets you just have people that have a console and they'll just put it there and I guess you pay somewhere and they'll let you like it's kind of like what McDonald's did in the 90s where they had N64s in the play places. So I have to, if I would guess, I'm assuming those games are, I guess, different games they have available. Or just art that or, they or, enjoy. Or just, yeah, or just <laughs> art that they just Googled and yeah, put like, there. Uh, this looks like a good one and just hit print, yeah. Yeah, because I want to say that arcade cabinet that had the Ninja Turtles and the Kratos had Xbox controllers coming out. So already like... Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I was waiting for you to be like, and it had Saturn controllers, and there's like a Neo Geo attached to it. I was like, what is happening? But that that's interesting. That it, it sounds like it is actually pretty different down there, even though it's just right yeah, south it is. of us. Yeah, video games are definitely not the priority over there. Right, right. Honestly, yeah. 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 Interesting. But it, it was fun. It was a nice breather. That's nice. I mean, the, the and the upside for the show of you going to Mexico, like I was saying before, is you get to you pushed our episode a day later than usual because you came back, and um, that means we have the benefit of being. A, a day late on a weekend where there's actually stuff going on all weekend because it was Evo 2018. Yeah, this we weekend. literally caught the announcement of a direct, but yeah, we got we got news of news that we can now tell you there will be news. So nonetheless, by the next time you listen, the news will still be what we talk about. Whether we had this opportunity to tell you there was news or not, <laughs> who knows? But um, yeah, Evo came and went. Nintendo announced at the direct that they will, or not the direct at Evo that they will have a direct on Wednesday, August eighth. With fresh game info um, for Smash Bros. specifically, it is a Smash Bros. Direct. Um, I mean, what would you want to see in a direct like that? I imagine they gotta talk about single player at this point. Um, I hope they address a tournament mode. That'd be nice. I hope they address exactly how the online will work. Will we actually have ranked battles, a la Splatoon, or literally any game that's ever had an online competitive? Except mode? Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah, except Smash Brothers because oh, we can't hurt the the feelings of people with the power ranking. So blah blah blah. Nintendo just cares about your mental so, well-being. Yeah, so those are the, the two things that would like address this. Do you think a, they'll drop a few new characters, or is it only going to be modes? No, they. they I feel they're, they're going to drop at least one character. Any guesses? I mean, it's a guarantee. I mean, they've never not dropped a new character true. for That's any true. single direct, no matter how like significant we thought it was. I know the internet's gunning for Simon Belmont to be included. That seems mm. to be the hot one right now. I, I mean, it's just my opinion, but I don't know. He just seems like a boring pick. Does anyone else have a whip in the game? Mm. I mean, think about it. A whip. She used to. Okay, <laughs> fine, yeah, but not quite the same. No. I I will say. I mean, I don't know. I I, I guess I'm just hoping for not, like a not human character. I feel like I I'm more interested in the design of the character than the function. I mean, like yeah, like yeah, like he could have a very unique and interesting. Like playstyle, if I had to guess, like he'd probably be using a lot of projectiles because that's what like Castlevania has a lot of. Like besides your whip, you have like growth. I mean crosses you could throw that have like weird trajectories. Right, you have like right. your torches and your holy water and yeah, yeah. It, I so you're more interested in some sort of outlandish character versus just a dude with a yeah, whip and some projectiles. Like, like you mean like a banjo kazooie or a, oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine? I want that to happen. I've been going for that. Can I you mean, imagine if they announced I, I that? I hope so because that. Banjo-Kazooie, I feel like the only character I could think of right now, I mean, maybe there's another one that I'm missing, 
that would be like another like like whoa like they're actually adding him kind of like a lot cloud mega man pac-man right right even um even bayonetta when it was first (laughs) well bayonetta no one likes anymore we'll get to it in a sec but even bayonetta got a huge reaction like i she was obviously up for voting in the yeah, but then so, but then people got to play with her. Yeah, and, we'll we'll get to that in a sec. Trust me, we'll get. That's to funny. That. Even last year, well, yeah, we'll get to that in a sec. But no, I was gonna say um, just to wrap up. I mean, the, uh, I mean, Chibi Robo would be nice. I, I feel would like, love Chibi. I mean, it wouldn't be as like shocking as like obviously Banjo Kazooie, but yeah, I, I don't think anything that nothing can be as shocking as Banjo Kazooie. Well, I was gonna say well, as like a third party Crash or Spyro. That's like as a, th- as a third party Crash but, or Spyro. Yeah, yeah. but I kind of like yeah, just, hit, just just hit those important things. Put my mind at ease. To be honest, I kind of wish they were just holding a normal direct instead. Like we got twenty five straight minutes of Smash two months ago. They we have three more months, four more months. They can, you know, save it for later and focus on no, other no, stuff. They for can't. Now. No, no, no. Oh, okay, I'm, no. I'm so sorry, but I, I will say I am. If anything, I am disappointed that we didn't get that direct immediately after the last Smash Brothers game finished their tournament. I'm. I'm I see. That's what I was about to say. Is I think Nintendo kind of was smart to hold off for a couple. Or why of days. didn't they just like save they, like save like a character reveal or just like some kind of tease so or something? So here's my after. thinking. Here, well, first of all, I think you. I think the crowd is on your side. I was watching some live some like videos on Twitter of the live reaction because what Nintendo did. Is, so the tease was they showed Smash. They're like we have an important announcement or something, and they cut to a video and it shows Smash Bros. Direct on the screen, and the crowd goes nuts, and then it flashes eight eight twenty eighteen, and the crowd's like, "Wait, what?" Like, this isn't the Direct? Because you, you don't lead with the logo only mm-hmm. to then say, just kidding, we're not actually showing that to you. Come back in three days. Like, that was kind of a weird... But I think from Nintendo... They, they, they totally should have, because that's what other companies do. Like, Capcom does that all the time at Evo. That's yeah, how they announced... uh, Arc System Works did something. Yeah, that's Evo. how they announced, like, Phoenix Wright and a few... I forgot what the other character was, but that's how they did it at... I remember with Evo, it was some other big tournament, but... They're like, all right, now we have a little something to show you, and then they cut to the trailer. Or even like more recently for the last couple of Street Fighter Five characters, like Cody, when they had some wrestler play the part of him in a short live action skit that cut yeah. to play, yeah, like the gameplay. Plus, but, like beyond just, I mean, you get the crowd like cheering. That's and what I was about to say. Beyond just like, there's a history of it. Is how often these days does the tail get loud, uh, loud, live, loud studio? studio live loud audience reactions as if it's like in a studio or something like that doesn't I mean, happen because it's all pre-recorded i mean they would get like reaction from people that probably don't even have a switch or that are just there, there are so many it's people the perfect time the grand final of evo is in a giant event like it's in For the mandalay bay huge expo if you want area. to get like yeah. more fighting game people like into your fighting game then that's where you do it instead of later where only the people that know about or care about Smash Bros. are going to tune in. Exactly. Now, I think Nintendo's logic is honestly the exact opposite of what you're saying because they're like, oh, this is best of, best of both worlds because we tell the Evo guys, yo, we have news. Come back and check it out in two days. And then they, in Nintendo's mind, will be like, oh, yeah, I'll check that out. Meanwhile, they're, gonna forget. they're not. <laughs> yeah, they probably will. But meanwhile, from Nintendo's perspective, they now, Wednesday morning when they announce this stuff, have the entire day's news cycle in the gaming world. They're competing against all the other Evo news right now versus having their own data shine in a few days. So they're thinking if we tease it at Evo, all those people that we would have gotten the attention of will be like, I'll check it out and hopefully remember three days later, and then they get the news cycle domination. So they think they had best of both worlds. I don't know if that's entirely true. Like, I think you're probably more right that there are people that are there that didn't necessarily care that would have their interests grabbed. Yeah, because I think those people that don't necessarily care are... I'm not going to tune in necessarily. Yeah, they're not but gonna they be... still will, to Nintendo's credit, they still will see the headlines. 
Yeah. They're gamers. They go on gaming sites. They'll be on Twitch and see it in the chat. Yeah, or on shoryuken.com. Or, or they'll be on like one of the esports sites. Like, yeah, they'll. Yeah, that's one yeah, of them. Yeah, I meant one of the others. Yeah. But they, uh, yeah, they'll see it. They'll see it either way. So I guess Nintendo's just playing the odds of will they care then as much as they care if we do it here in the arena? Is the hype as infectious online as it would be in person? That I think I side with you. That I, yeah, I, don't, think it, it was, I don't think. It basically was a fake out to them. I don't think it's ever going to be. As infectious as it is in person. No, definitely not. Definitely, That's why I yeah. miss about live press conferences with Nintendo Dam is there was like a hype factor that you just don't have anymore. And having a full arena at the Mandalay Bay is your chance to have that hype factor. And instead you make them go, what? Out loud, really loud. <laughs> like, and that's it. So, I don't know. I mean, I think I think this Evo, there's a lot of weird I mean, things I'm glad, that happen. I'm glad they announced something. Yes. Like, that's, that's for Nintendo. That's major progress. Yeah, like, I mean, if they had just... If they had waited until like tomorrow to say like, oh, we have a direct on Wednesday... Like, but I'm like, why didn't you just say that yesterday in yeah. front of the crowd? So, so, yeah, so I'm very happy that Nintendo, at least, I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's, it's just they needed to take a leap, it, not it's, a step. Yeah, it's, yeah. it shows that, like, maybe in a few years, like, when the next Smash, or maybe they'll invent their own, a, a whole new fighting game, kind of like they did with Smash Bros. They did. They did. It's called ARMS. It just didn't do, <laughs> I mean, I'm not wrong. It is. They did. Well, right. it didn't take oh. off, but they yeah. did. Oh, so may- maybe, like, they'll announce the next ARMS that. Or like another character like at Evo, I don't know. I yeah, mean, maybe maybe when Arms and Legs becomes a game, it, it definitely seems more appropriate. Or like another Pokin, like a Pokin sequel or yeah. something. Yeah, no, know. I think I think this this is them easing in. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like they still have enough um, creativity in them to create another fighting game genre like they did oh, with yeah, those yeah. two. <laughs> I just mean facetious. Although arms. Bandai should be given credit for Pokin, so but yeah, yeah. I mean, Pokin basically Tekken with a Pokemon overlay and some weird extras. Well, and like what's it's it? like Tekken combined with Street a different Fighter. with Street Fighter. Yeah, that's yeah. both yeah. in one. So yeah. I mean, it's that's cool. I, we need another one that will take off like Smash Brothers because that one just seems to immediately click with everyone. Everyone yeah. knows platformers. Everyone understands fighting games. So and it had like, kind of the Nintendo Party element. Yeah, it's like even the best of both serious, quote unquote. Yeah, I agree. But but this Evo, like Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo announcing but not announcing something at Evo is pretty pretty much sums up how weird for the Nintendo portions of Evo this Evo was. Because, like, the Melee tournament was fine from what I saw online. It looked great. But then the night before was the Super Smash Bros. for Wii U tournament. Man. And that was not so fine. That was a mess. Like, I'm only a casual On observer of, being... of the eSport world of Smash. But, my God, that – it was trending nationwide on Twitter it last night. It is a bummer that it got Smash the, the Sunday spot. Because Sunday yeah. is the premiere, like – these are the big games. Well, know what? You know what? And that's it's good it didn't get the Sunday oh, spot based on what happened on Saturday. No, no, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, was... good point. But, I mean, it got it last year and Melee got pushed down to yes. Saturday night. And then they flipped it because Nintendo doesn't care about Smash 4 anymore. I think Nintendo probably said do Melee. It's fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, so for those who don't know what happened with Smash for Wii U the night before, um, Essentially, none of the usual big players were there, which in and of itself is fine. Like the ones that people expected to be there. I don't mean Zero; he retired. I mean other folk. Just no, no, yeah. Well, weren't in the finals. Yeah, they but for weren't... one thing, like those. I mean, even if we include Zero, like because he retired. Yeah. Um. Uh, he. I mean, he was the number one player, like un- yeah. undoubtedly. And the yeah. other two people that missed are just happened to be the number two and three player. Yeah. Which I don't know. For me, like as someone like watching Evo that like see the Smash competition and stuff. It does kind of suck that they're not there. It, it, I feel like it gives even. I'm pretty sure even for like the one people was that, sick, right? Like they just yeah, 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 well, yeah. One yeah. of them had chicken pox, and the other one had like some sort of um, flight issue. Like right. I think there was a storm or something. Right, right. But 
I mean, if you win that Evo, you're pretty much saying, like, I won, but it's probably going to be because these guys weren't here. Yeah. Because they so, always win it. But like, then the yeah. problem was the guys that did win. So, first, the final eight was all – well, not all, but there were a lot of Bayonettas. And Bayonetta, for those who aren't following the scene so closely, like myself – is very OP. Bayonetta is basically Bayonetta shouldn't be playable, but it's fine. They allowed Bayonetta to it's be like playable. It's like this game's Meta Knight. Yeah, essentially. Or have... funny enough, this game's Fox. Although in the melee tournament, when it was two Foxes going ahead, no one seemed to care. But when it was two Bayonettas, people cared. But I don't know the ins and outs of the meta game, so I shouldn't be too snarky about that. But it is kind of ironic. Um, but yeah, so these people have Bayonettas. They do well. Uh, it gets down to the final two who's a guy named Captain Zack and a guy named Lima, and they're both playing as Bayonetta. And here's the thing that happened. As they were making their way up the ranks, first, the crowd started booing them for picking Bayonetta, which, first things first, like, if it's okay in the game, if it's officially allowed, don't boo the player for doing what they're allowed to do. Like, you know what I mean? If someone were to foul someone in a basketball game, okay, you boo them. If someone were to sort of do a weird maneuver around a person in a basketball game but be within the rules then it's okay and you don't boo them it's just it's a bad look for the crowd yeah, to be up I there mean, dissing I, these guys who are just doing what they're supposed to I, be and doing and just be clear like, you are allowed to be disappointed yeah it does mm-hmm. suck and it's no fun for the spectator to just see Bayonetta's yeah. over and yeah. over again because we see that enough anywhere else yeah. but I mean it matters I mean right yeah I mean like a lot of people I saw literally, this is supposed to be like the, the, the Super Bowl of fighting games and yeah. we want to keep I mean we have to keep like I don't know that that you gotta have a good. High. You gotta have a good. I mean, it sounds dumb, but you gotta have a good look. Like, it's, yeah, that's why we want. You're representing a whole community. If we want the community to grow, then yeah, it'd be like if people kept booing a football team for always like putting this specific player in. It's like, no, take him out whenever he's playing. He yeah, it's like it. imagine it's how like, that it's, dude feels. Yeah. He's just doing his job. It'd be like yeah, people got mad every time Kobe went on the field. Yeah, on, on the yeah. court. Or yeah. Wow, you. Yeah, that's basketball now. But well, that's just a lot good about... hustle. Good hustle. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. Um, yeah, and then the thing was, so then they're booing, and then one of the players, Captain Zach, felt it was the right thing to do was flip off the crowd as he walked off stage. It's like, no, dude, have some professionalism at the no, same like Be the better person. Be the better person, have some professionalism. And then the professionalism thing becomes more of an issue because it gets down to the grand finals. Captain Zach and Lima, they're like 16 and 17 years old, whatever. They sit there for two minutes and don't play. They're just doing that one, uh, was it the side beat, the, the thing with the spinning... Bayonetta sort of arches and has the spinning. Um, it's like loading the, or it's like uh, yeah, they're just the bullet, the, the yeah. bullet. Yeah, there we go. I just couldn't think of the yeah. word. Yeah, they're holding the bullet and they're holding it for like two minutes and they're just laughing. They're friends in real life. So they're just laughing and like sort of making fun of it. And then like the MC comes over, is like, "What are you guys doing?" Like, "Oh, we're just..." Da, da, da. And then finally, an Evo rep comes over, is like, "You guys can't stall. It's against the rules." They're like, "Oh," so then they play. And as they're playing. One of them accidentally dies. So then the other one's like, oh, I'll die too to keep it fair and just jumps off the edge. And it's just like, basically the grand final of Smash 4 was a friendlies match. Yeah. Which, again, they got there. Theoretically, they can do that. But like, it's really disrespectful to anyone who didn't get there within that tournament. And more to the point, any other fighting community who didn't get there a spot in EVO in the first place. a, A performance like that is like, it's basically a joke. Like it almost feels like it's so it's a mockery. Of the yeah, thing. it's such a mockery that it almost like discredits Smash Brothers like yeah. as a competitive game. Yeah. It's like if those competitive people can't even like take it seriously, exactly because they're not like they're being very mature about it. Then they th- were. It's almost like proving like um, Sakurai. Like this was meant to be a party game, and look what happens. You give a party These to a party. Game for kids, and they're just gonna act like kids. So mm-hmm. let's just keep it as a party game. 
Yeah, and then like what I started to say before was I think mean, of all the games and I mean, communities around those games, like fighting communities that want so badly to have their Moe Night Evo, to be part of the Super Bowl of gaming, to be able to have a moment in a spotlight, maybe not the Smash Bros. spotlight, but even a smaller spotlight. And Evo only can have eight or ten games or whatever the number is. And then one of the biggest ones there is like not even take it seriously. Like that's just disrespectful to every other fan of every other fighting game out there. Like never mind just the Smash community making yourself look bad. You know, just think about all those people who have their own little mini communities that I are mean, trying so hard to break through. And you're just like, well, once you're here, it really doesn't matter. Like, it's just so rude. I don't know if it's because Street Fighter has been around a lot longer, but, like, I've never heard of, like, anything to this extent. It doesn't happen. Like, I mean, you've had Street Fighter 4 that, with arguably, I guess, where Street Fighter was at its peak of popularity. Like, Street Fighter 5 is, like, it's kind of rebuilt itself because it had a really rocky start. Yeah. But at one point, like, Street Fighter 4, like, everyone was picking Rufus. It's, like, this very heavy character with, like, he wears, like, a Kill Bell-looking outfit. He frankly looks like what anyone named Rufus in your head looks like. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. That's what Rufus looks like. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he has, like, one of those, like, ponytails that are really long and braided. Yeah. Like, they do. But anyway. As all Rufus yeah, do. So, so he was, like, you could say he at one point he was, like, the Bayonetta of that game. Yeah. Like, everyone used him, but I've never seen, like, anyone ever, like, boo or, like, hit on and, him like and, that. and let's be fair to some of the Smash fans. Some people saw the Bayonetta thing coming. They saw it was all Bayonetta's for us to tournament, so they get up and leave. Which is fine. When your team's doing really badly at sport game, it's not uncommon for folks to get up and leave. Also, calling a sports game a sports game is the least sporty way you could describe a game showing how little I watch sports. But, you know, when you're at your favorite you know, sport game... But no, seriously, like, you know, if you want to walk, like, like, walk out and leave, that's fine. But to make an action on the people playing is when it's not That's you know, funny fun. that fighting games, in a way, almost have, like, two levels of fans. Yeah. Like, I'm, and I'm not talking about behavior-wise. I'm yeah, really yeah. talking about just, like, the positive side of it, where... Like, you have me where, like, I'll go for any Bowser player. So, like, Bowser players, like, I don't really follow the person themselves. It's like, oh, cool, Bowser's getting rough. You follow the character. Yeah, but then it's like, oh, my character isn't playing, then nah, I'm out. Right. And then there's those people that follow the players. The like, personalities. Yeah, they're like, oh, like, oh, Ethan looks like a very chill dude. Like, I like how his performance he yep. uses. I mean, if he wants to use Benetta, whatever. As long as Ethan wins, I don't care. Right. But, yeah. But, yeah, yeah so it's just, like, it was just a mess. And then, like, like I started to say, it was trending nationwide on Twitter, both Smash 4 and Bayo. Like, that's how big quote-unquote this got in the gaming world like this was a huge like bad look for everyone involved and captain zach apologized on twitter later like oh i, I swear i tried it's like dude you're up there laughing and nah like i mean yeah i don't know it's i think oh yeah you can't go to grand finals on evo like the biggest tournament yeah it's, it's... imagine if it was a ufc fight instead of fighting the two of them just like high five a couple like play yeah, cake in the middle of the arena fat, yeah. of the octagon it's, it's literally like, a slap in the face to every single person that competed yeah it's super it's like, like oh you couldn't get here to dick around yeah so. it's really unfair so what, what what the main thing I'm concerned about is like hopefully this doesn't upset Nintendo too much like Ugh. specifically the players actions and it's not even like it was like a small tournament it was no, Evo no this is the biggest yeah this is Evo and like I know there's supposedly another tournament coming up that's just about Smash it's being organized I don't know if it's the first or not called SmashCon and they're trying to get all the big players oh SmashCon yeah I think they're getting like everyone involved I think even Zero might no, be yeah, that's a yearly one. oh so it is a yearly but that's yeah. supposed to be like the big send off for Smash 4 before Ultimate comes out but for a lot of the more like public facing stuff this was Smash 4 send off yeah and it was sad as a result like i i don't really care that much about the competitive scene i you know occasionally i'll watch the clips on nintendo versus or go check it out for a little while but like yeah this was bad like i was actually kind of annoyed at like 2 a.m last night when i was reading up on this after it happened it was bad but either way um 
what I started saying is hopefully this doesn't affect or doesn't upset Nintendo specifically the player actions like Captain Zack flipping off the crowd because like I've had this feeling every time I've seen the Nintendo versus Twitter tag players or they featured them in their official streams like Trios Live where they kept having Zero and some of the other guys on or whatever I keep having this weird thought of like well hopefully one of them doesn't turn out to do something inappropriate or secretly be a racist or a Nazi or like something because the second that happened Nintendo, you know, if that were to happen, Nintendo has very knee-jerk reactions. Like, remember when one guy in Japan used Swap Note to hit on kids? That's absolutely awful. I, I agree completely, yes. But for Nintendo's, Nintendo's response was to then pull the entire app around the world and break the functionality because less than 1% of the users were doing something. So the other 99% had to deal with no longer getting their app. So imagine if one person does something bad, like Captain Zack flipping off the crowd or whatever, and Nintendo goes, nope, we're out, and they shut down the Versus Twitter, they pull out sponsorships, they back out of the competitive scene, like, it seems unlikely over something like flipping some, you know, uh, something as minimal as flipping someone off, but I wouldn't put it past them if one of the big scene, like, There's gonna be one some big repercussions players, in some minor level. Yeah, but like, if imagine if it was something more significant, like a player's a bigot or something, and then they start going on a tear on Twitter one day, and Nintendo's been tagging them on Nintendo Versus for the past year, or they had them on Treehouse Live six months ago. Like knowing Nintendo, it's a it's 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 done. It's over. So the the concern for me partly is the Smash Four stuff. Not just sucks for the community around Smash. Because in and of itself, it made, them look, it made the community look bad, even though most of, mostly wasn't their fault. But it sucks because Nintendo may have second guesses about the whole thing. I don't think this is going to break their plans with, with the competitive scene. I don't, I don't think this alone will do it, but this is certainly like a red flag. And if there's something comparable, maybe that's the breaking point. I don't know. Like it's not, it's not going in a path that I think Nintendo wants it to go down. So... We'll see, but that was as soon as this unfolded. My first thought was, "Well, they pulled Swap Note before, and I wouldn't be surprised to just pull out competitive completely now." So we'll, we'll see, but that's that's kind of my bigger concern, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because like, I mean, I get the Swap Note thing. Like, yeah, that was that's really bad if you guys hang on, kid. But like, you pulled your whole app, Nintendo, and then it took you three years to reintroduce it, and when you did, it wasn't even the same app. So I don't know. I mean, again, on the upside, like Nintendo did turn things around on on the sun on the sunday on the day we're recording this like the the melee tournament went pretty well the fact that they announced anything at all be it just an announcement of an announcement is still a step in the right direction so you know things are looking up but that was a bad saturday night at evo for the nintendo world i'd say yeah it definitely was yeah the darkest but, timeline yes exactly <laughs> but uh beyond just evo nintendo has actually been having a pretty good couple of weeks they um we're going to get into some numbers here. They put out their latest financial get report your last week. nightcaps on. Nightcap? I think you mean get, like, your ski goggles on because things are about to go extreme or I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> like, it's going to be great is what I'm saying. But they, uh... They what? They put out... You asked me, right? I drink water. <laughs> they put out their financial report last week. It covers the period of April 1st to June 30th. And to say that they did well over those two weeks would probably be, or two weeks, three months, would probably be a bit of an understatement. Because compared to the same period a year ago, Nintendo saw its overall profit rise by 88% to $275 bucks. Their revenue, which is, you know, just the raw intake of money, uh, that went up by 9%. They made $1.5 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars, just from April till June. And what's noteworthy is the story behind the numbers more than just the numbers themselves, because it kind of indicates... Like, what 
where things could be going for Nintendo's plans with the rest of this year and beyond. So with that in mind, let's not start with Switch, which is where you think we would start. Let's actually start with the NES Classic. Because if you want the gaming world example of how weird 2018 is, not Darkest Timeline weird, but just like 2018 is wild weird, this is it. The NES Classic has been out for, I think, three days, five days in the quarter, like before they wrapped up June. It came out like the 27th or something. And in those few days, whatever the number may be, it sold 1.26 million units in like three days. It did so well, it was the number one selling piece of video game hardware on the June MPD chart. It outsold the PS4, it outsold the Switch, it outsold Xbox. It was the first time ever in the history of the MPD since it started in 1995 that an NES platform ever topped the chart in the year 2018. Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's just so weird. Um, I think I actually think Brian uh, Altano from IGN, I saw a tweet from him that kind of sums it up best. Like, this is a system without Fortnite. It has no multimedia or streaming capabilities. No it has no online. It has no GTA 5, which somehow sells forever. Still the month's top seller. And it was a re-release at that. It wasn't even a new system. It wasn't a new product. It was a re-release of a product from, what, 15 months ago? And still the top seller. So Didn't it already make its millions the first it time It did, around? and now it's another million. Man. Yeah. So what what I think the story behind the numbers here is is you know besides the fact that Nintendo could just stop making everything else and phone it. Yeah, exactly. NES. Just phone it in forever. Just make like, an NES version. Shut two down that the Switch. Another twenty games or however many. Exactly. Just like invest heavily in Raspberry Pis, install them <laughs> into a bunch of plastic cases, and just ride it out for five years, and you're done. You're good. Nintendo right. could just let's just get straight to Switch Two. It's fine. No, but uh, I think besides the fact that it prints money, it's there's two things to take away from this. One is it quells a fear I had back when they first announced the re-release of the NES, which was admittedly a dumb fear, but I had this weird theory in the back of my mind, because Nintendo knee-jerks, as we were just talking about, that if the Super Nintendo Classic came out, and everyone bought that because they couldn't buy an NES, and then Nintendo were to re-release the NES, and it didn't sell as well, Nintendo would go, welp, that's that, and just never do another classic system. Obviously, that's not the case. It's selling great, so that's cool. The second thing I think... If anything, that's probably going to make them go, well, we need to start working on the N64. If anything, I'd say it's making them not do the N64 that quickly. Yes, they're working on it, but I don't think it's coming this year. Because the second thing I think it tells us is... Yes, exactly. It would have been announced before Comic-Con, like I was saying last episode. But more to the point, NES is selling a million in three days, and they promised productions lasting through the whole year. Super Nintendo's still in production and still stripping the uh, stores through the whole year. Why cannibalize those sales with an N64 Classic? They can easily ride those out through holiday of this year, and then next summer, once things die down, then they do the N64, and then they get this entire tidal wave again. And anyone that bought an NES or Super Nintendo, they have enough time to save up, will probably then be $80 or $90 for the N64 versus 60 or 70 and then they can go buy that, and then Nintendo gets people to double dip. So I think this, if nothing else, confirms. I realize it contradicts my first theory that there would be no N64, but I think this doing so well pretty much confirms that we are getting an N64 Classic. We're just not getting it till next year. And I will, I will stay true to that. If they announce it, if they announce it this year, I'll give you five dollars. Well, I mean, they, they could always <laughs> announce it this year and not have it. Come well, out if they release it this year, I should say. Okay, all right, that makes. Sense. I don't even think they'll announce it though, because then people will be like, "I'll just wait." Because N64 is very in right now. Have you seen how many people have those N64 logo shirts at the moment? Like, no. out in the world? I see one every couple weeks. Whoa. That's a lot if you think about it for, like, a random graphic team. Take a pic next time you, you see one. Okay. I want to I see if it's, like, a... I've seen them with you in malls, actually, like, as we walk around. And you didn't point it out? I did. You just forgot. Hmm. 
Dude, I'm the guy I'm, that every time that Cardi I'm, B song comes on where she's like, I get coined like Mario, I raise that part of the song's volume and whoever's in the car, I'm like, guys, it's a Mario reference. So I definitely pointed out to you if they're wearing I'm, I'm skeptical, but alright. I'm, I'm just saying. But um, yeah, so NES is doing great. On the other side of the coin, you then got the 3DS, which may truly finally be on its last legs at last. The Not that I'm saying it, you know... Basically, this year has always kind of felt like a swan song. Even though Nintendo kept saying otherwise, they kept talking about how they want to ride it out as long as they can, how they, you know, they don't know where it's going to go and they have no true roadmap. They just go see where the sales take them. But then you've got the actual sales numbers. So, in this past quarter, again, just April, June, 3DS sold uh, 360,000 units worldwide. That is a drop of 62% compared to a year ago. Software sales, just shy of 3 million. That sounds decent, right? It's actually 50% less than what they did this time a year ago. So as much as I love WarioWare Gold, as we'll discuss later, and as much as I'm sure Luigi's Ra- uh, Mansion remake... <laughs> Luigi's Brain? <laughs> I was going to say Luigi's Remake Mansion. As much as Luigi's Mansion remake will be a good fit for the 3DS, I don't think we're going to get much beyond that. We're absolutely nearing the end of the system's life. I mean, Nintendo, in their financial guidance, finally dropped the narrative of continuing to make games for the system. They're now saying, they're only saying they're going to further expand sales of evergreen titles. No reference of new projects, no reference of any sort of new anything. It's just, yeah, we have a bunch of games, and we're going to keep selling those games with the system until basically no one buys them. Which is fine. We're just approaching the end here, that's all. And it's fine because it's almost right, even though Nintendo's like, no, 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 we all know what we're doing. It is right in line with my long-held prediction that the 3DS, much like the Game Boy Advance's death, will be about 18 months after its unofficial successor's launch. Even though Nintendo claimed that's not intentionally what they're doing, it still lined up to be almost to the month the exact same. So, score one for me, I guess. I don't know. But, I guess. But there we go. But without, but that's really all there is to say about 3DS. So let's just cut to Chase and talk about what really matters, which is that unofficial successor of 3DS, the Switch. Um, Switch is doing great, actually. Overall, Switch is just shy of selling 20 million units since it launched which as of june 30th means it's officially at 19.67 million uh by now that it's probably past 20 million if i had to guess we're you know we're six weeks six weeks five weeks removed from the end of june i i'm sure they sold 33,000 units already like that just seems logical but uh what that means is it's rapidly closing in on the lifetime sales of gamecube GameCube sold 21.74 million in its entire life, and it's very likely that Switch is going to pass it by the end of this quarter. To give you an idea of the sales pace, it also means that Switch is ahead of where 3DS was in this point of its life by about three quarters of a million. And 3DS, at this point in its life, already had the price cut that boosted it. So Switch is chugging along even without needing a price cut. And if you look beyond just Nintendo, interesting comparison with PS4, um, in 16 months, in its first 16 months, PS4 managed to move 20 million units. Switch, in 15 months, did 19.67 million. So you could say, okay, maybe it's possibly a little behind, but the difference is the Switch only had one holiday season, while the PS4 had two holiday seasons. So it didn't have that little that extra holiday boost, and it's almost neck and neck with PS4, so that, that's pretty impressive. In fact, Switch has done so well up to this point that Japan's sales tracker, the CESA, they actually attribute Switch to saving the Japanese game industry. This is a real thing they said. For 10 straight years, apparently, the console market in Japan has been declining. The last time it did well was in 2007 with the DS Lite. Then, in 2017, 
Switch and Switch alone, according to them, rebounded it with a 22% year-over-year growth. So Switch well, well, literally saved holders. gaming in Japan. I mean, it, it tricked the Japanese market to thinking that we're buying a portable. Exactly, and that's why it did so well, I think. That's a, yeah. a really good point, because Japan is always portable first. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the Vita was like alive and well there for a long time. I mean, aren't they still producing them? Yep, there? only in Japan. Yeah. Vita's dead in the West, officially. Yeah. But yeah, Switch saved gaming, so there you go. Job's done. But um, but yeah, the interesting part of all these numbers I'm talking about is that if you fast forward to 2018, if you look just at this quarter, Switch hardware is actually slowing down for the, for a good chunk of the past quarter. So in 2017's like April to June period, Switch sold 1.97 million worldwide. In 2018, so just these past couple months, it dipped to 1.88 million. So it's still hitting achievements, it's still doing well, but it's now dropping further and further behind the pacing of the Wii. Like, Switch went from being only a couple hundred thousand behind it in its initial quarter to now lagging by millions. I think it's something like 10 million different now. Or something like that. And I mean, a 4% decline between a year ago and now isn't horrific at all. And if you think about it, it does make a certain amount of sense. I mean, you could argue that even coming near last year's sales numbers kind of impressive given the circumstances like april through june didn't give us any major major new AAA games this year we you know we had kirby we had labo we had uh donkey kong and we had mario tennis kind of tucked in at the very end of the quarter but that's not the same as having zelda mario kart and arms tucked in at the very end of the quarter actually no i take that back arms and mario tennis are probably pretty comparable sales wise but still like you you can't say that a port of Donkey Kong, a cardboard game, and sure, throw in Hyrule Warriors, which didn't even get tracked in the sales. Like, Nintendo didn't release numbers for that. Those are not the same as Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart. So, if you look at that, the fact that there's only a 4% difference isn't that bad, actually. But the point I'm trying to make here is that if Nintendo's serious about selling 20 million Switches in just this fiscal year, which they absolutely are, they haven't changed their guidance, they still say that's what they're going to do, this quarter is not giving them a lot of room to work with. Three out of 12 months generating less than two out of the 20 million they need to sell. That's not the best. Statistically speaking, the, the numbers don't quite even out there. I mean, granted, Pokemon and Smash could single-handedly turn that around. And, you know, they're going to have backup support from things like Labo with the slow burn of Labo. But it doesn't feel like a guarantee. So what's the scenario? Up. You don't think that you'll see them like right before the fiscal year ends, like in front of the stores, holding Switch boxes, going up to everyone, walking up. Like, hey, do you want to buy a Switch? Do you want to buy? A Switch? What they're gonna do is they're gonna rehire the Wii would like to play guys, and they're gonna drive around. But instead of Wii's, they're gonna be carrying Switches. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now I don't know how two guys are gonna save the whole company, but and and to be clear, I'm not saying it's like horrendous. Like they're not, they're not doing bad. It's just they have this they have this really big goal of 20 million. And they are a fourth of the way through the year, and they have not sold a fourth of the way through that goal, or even close to that. Well, <laughs> so. I mean, you know what they say, um, shoot for the moon, land in the stars? But the problem with that is their investors expect the moon. You can't tell the investors we're shooting for the moon and then be like, hey, we barely breached the atmosphere, but we're trying. <laughs> like, they'll be like, well, then you failed. I mean, look at what's happening with Tesla, where it kept like, being, oh, we're going to sell this many Model 3s, and da da da. And investors are like, you are it. What's going on? Eventually, Tesla hit the goal, but took a yeah, little while. Yeah, what is going on with Tesla? I have a friend that reserved a Model 3, but apparently they haven't even started production, or they keep taking away features that made them want so to the reserve Model it. So the Model 3... They made them want to reserve it in the first place. Yeah, so, so the now Model 3 like... has multiple versions. There's the cheap version, which is like bare bones, and that's readily available now. And then there's the higher-end one that comes with more stuff that um, they will ultimately be selling. So they're pr- they're pumping out 
initially they pumped out a certain number of the cheap ones. Now, from my understanding, I think they're switching to pumping out the more expensive ones and selling those. But people who still reserve the cheap ones are kind of like, well, where's mine? And Tesla's like, well, we need to make money, so we'll get back to you. We're going to sell the more the higher profit margin ones hmm. or something like that. It's a mess. Yeah, They're building them in a tent. They were trying to pick up the pace so quickly they built a temporary tent factory and built them there. Wow. Yeah. Elon be crazy. But, um, yeah, so I guess, to be fair to Nintendo, after saying they, they might have trouble hitting their goal. Gotta do what you must. Well done. You did not miss a beat in Mexico when it comes to puns. Um, but, no, they, uh, to Nintendo's credit, sales are actually picking up steam again already. Like, maybe maybe it is just a slow quarter, and then next quarter, and the quarter after, and then obviously Smash Pokemon. Maybe that'll all cover the 18 million. But I mean, it will. But yeah. You think so? Um, Smash Bros. will. You think Smash alone could sell that many? It I think Pokemon's needed. Pokemon will. No, no. Smash Bros. will. Pokemon will actually cause people to return their consoles. So Smash Bros. Actually also, they're going to break even. So it's going to be flat. So Nintendo's just going to be sitting at however many million. No, no, no. But, but Smash is going to sell, like, uh, for every console that's returned because of Pokemon Let's Go. Two are sold for yeah, Smash. Yeah, exactly. Sold for Smash. Yeah. Exactly that. Those are some pretty powerful numbers. Have you considered um, writing some sort of financial guidance and sending that around to, like, uh, you know, the big investors? It's going to be how to set unrealistic goals and never meet them. <laughs> By Angel Solano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but two details cry about unrealistic goals. Things are picking up for them already. Um, they said in the financial report, switch sales are actually trending upward following E3. And the June MPD numbers confirm that here in the U.S. at least, switch hardware is already up 50% compared to what it sold in June 2017. So yes, things are actually picking up. So maybe maybe that 1.88 million was mostly just a slow April and May. And now that we're in June, where you have the buzz of Smash Bros and the sign option to play Fortnite, the biggest game in the world right now, there's kind of that double whammy that is helping accelerate Switch sales. And they got Octopath Traveler and all these smaller games. Maybe all together, that's propelling system sales forward. And it'll just keep growing from there. It's hard. It's hard. That's what I think Nintendo's thinking. And they're actually leaning pretty hard on Fortnite already as a system seller. Um, in Italy, I, I found this one kind of interesting. In Italy, they started slapping download Fortnite for free stickers on the corner of Switch hardware boxes. Really? Yeah, you don't get anything special special with that Switch at all. You don't get items or skins or anything. It's literally just a reminder on the corner of the box. Like, hey, this is on the eShop if you want to check it out. But it's, you know, it's a savvy way to hook into a trend. Uh, it it's... kind of reminds me of... Um... At Comic Con Nintendo's booth, it was basically just Smash Brothers. Yeah, but yeah. if and it has like a giant like po- like picture of like the cover of the Smash Brothers game it has the giant Smash Brothers logo. You can only play Smash Brothers, but then if you walk like around the to booth, where the line is forming, yeah, to where the yeah. line is forming, you see like one banner for Fortnite. Floor to ceiling is about a third of the back wall, and yeah. it's just like download Fortnite on your Switch. It's like okay, <laughs> all right, but yeah. no, seriously, like it's that, not, it's not demoable. It's not nothing. It's just. It's literally just there to let you know what it is. It's just like, hey, if you want to buy a Switch right now, you can play Fortnite on it. Which, I mean, it, I think it's going to work. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the thing, the sticker they're putting on the Italian boxes, that's probably a test run. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, other regions start showing it too. Because well, I mean, people still love it. I mean, when we played video games over there in Mexico with my cousins, the game we played the most was Fortnite. Yeah, which we'll talk about later when we share impressions. But it's just like, it is a system seller. Like, Nintendo isn't saying it's a, like they're not going around going like we're using Fortnite sell system but every action they're doing is implying it so you know they didn't adjust their sales forecast maybe 20 million switch Fortnite's part of that strategy and then it eases into the fall releases who knows I mean I don't think Super Mario Party is going to sell a system that that many systems but combine that with everything else and then Pokemon and then Smash and maybe maybe I mean the good news for Nintendo is that once you do buy into the switch 
Like when people buy into the Switch, they're all about it. They buy a lot of games. Like hardware sales, like I said, those dipped 4% this quarter. But software sales, those rose up by, and this is a real number, 120% year over year. It went from about 8.14 million games sold in April or June of last year to 17.96 million sold this year. That's that's huge. Like that's a giant leap and it's only counting games with a physical release. So like you know, digital downloads included, but only if there's a retail physical copy in a store as well in for that statistic. So none of the eShop only games are even included in that number. So the number is even bigger in reality. It's way beyond that basically 18 million that Nintendo's saying. And to my point before that there are no major major new AAA titles this past quarter, they rose 120% without them. Imagine if there were more major AAA games. Like, that's crazy that they did that much without that. And and I keep saying, like, major, major new AAA titles because what's interesting about these numbers, and I think is a testament to what Nintendo's doing, is the AAA titles a year ago that sold that 8 million that then went up 120%, they're still posting huge numbers. Like, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sold an additional 1.13 million from April to June. That puts in the same league this quarter as sales of new releases from this quarter, like Donkey Kong Country and Mario Tennis. Like, Mario Kart is now at 10.35 million units sold total. That's over half of all Switch owners own Mario Kart. That's only second to Mario Odyssey, which is at 11.17 million since it came out, which is even more than the, more than half that Mario Kart is, obviously. Um, I actually think, I, if I remember correctly, this makes Mario Kart 8 the second fastest selling Mario Kart ever only behind Mario Kart Wii and that went on to sell over 18 or 28 million units so like there's a lot of room for Mario Kart to keep going on Switch and then Breath of the Wild which is also a game that's now a year old that sold another 840,000 units just in this last quarter like that's a lot for a game that's a year old and not and a game that doesn't even have new content really the DLC stopped in December and that means that its lifetime sales are now at over 9 million and if you expand the list of AAA titles from other, to include like games from other quarters, Splatoon, Splatoon 2 is already at 6.76 million lifetime sales. It sold 760,000 units just this past quarter, which is actually the same quarter-specific sales that Mario Odyssey saw this past quarter, 760,000. Which, if you think about it, is kind of wild, because one is frickin' Mario, and one is Splatoon. Like, Splatoon is now so big for Nintendo, it is matching long-tail evergreen style sales of mario that's kind of crazy yeah i mean it goes to show that nintendo's strategy of setting up a bunch of evergreen tiles very early on was the right move like nintendo's proving they can just keep these older releases relevant over and over and use them just to straight up rake in money at this point i mean excluding splatoon 2 because they had the octo expansion in june none of the games i just mentioned had any new content this quarter it was all pure profit for nintendo which is like the best type of way to sell a game that's why they made 1.5 billion in revenue because they're just there's no real effort put into these they're just pumping out and people keep buying them and i think we're going to likely see nintendo continue to just pump out old games for probably the entire life of the switch like if we're talking about like what's the story behind the numbers the story is these games are not going away i mean look at the 3ds all the commercials this summer for the 3ds are still promoting mario kart 7 how old is Mario Kart 7? I don't even know. Is it from the first year of the 3DS? 2011? 2011 sounds right. Yeah, so they're promoting a game seven years later in commercials as if it's new. 
And I bet you that they're going to be doing that with Switch games six years from now, seven years from now. Like, it just, they keep selling. Why not? And beyond just that, Nintendo's still doing all sorts of new marketing and merchandising deals with these games. I mean, Splatoon 2, for example, it just got its own esports league in Japan. And what's interesting about it is it's not just a regular esports league. It's sponsored by the Japanese MLB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League. Like, that's their version of MLB, and they are footing the bill for a Splatoon league. They're planning to have 12 clubs. It'll launch in spring 2019. But, like, that's big. That's like if here in the States, like, the NBA was just like, yeah, we'll do a Fortnite league. That's a big yeah. deal. So, like, Nintendo now has all that free marketing for Splatoon. Well, they to catch up with Overwatch. Yeah, it's basically like Overwatch. I mean, I think, actually, Overwatch League is probably bigger than what... Even though it was Blizzard made... Because, I mean, Blizzard made their own league, right? They just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dirt up that we're doing it. We want to be in the Olympics eventually or whatever. But what Blizzard did that's kind of interesting is they created, essentially, an actual sports league. Cities have team. I mean, it sounds like they're doing this with Splatoon because there'll be 12 clubs. But cities had teams. You applied to be in the league. They built, like, arenas for esports yeah, in multiple cities. Because I know, like, in some events, you can actually buy merchandise specifically yep. for each team. And there are skins specifically for each team. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then, like, they bought... So, the old... In Burbank, here in L.A., the old studio that Jay Leno used for Tonight Show, they bought that space and turned it into an Overwatch esports arena. Does Jay Leno know? Yeah. He's probably pretty pissed. No, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I All I know is Leno's just doing his thing with all his cars. He's a big car guy, so he's probably just, like... Oh, he's... Oh, I forgot... It took yeah. me a second to realize who it was, but then I remembered the chin. And then... Yeah, exactly. I was going to do like a, a, a uh, impression of him, but it's mostly visual, and we are an audio podcast. So just everyone imagine me imitating Jay Leno. Actually, do, do, tell, do show, and I'll try to describe it. I'm well, he just kind of does like a head bobble. He goes like, yeah, kind of like a thing. Uh, I guess that wouldn't have helped me. Yeah, see, exactly. Yeah, he, he just bobbled his head left and right, as he also described. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and, and then uh, you didn't uh, – well, and now I'm describing how you described how what I described. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So, like, I think you know, Splatoon Two. That's free marketing for Splatoon for a long time. Now that they have a league, so that's gonna keep those sales up. And it's, I think, it's just you know, as more games go game as service, if it becomes the dominant thing in the industry, I think we're just gonna keep seeing these old games continue on. And I'm not sure how much I like that. Not from a business sense. Like, I get that. That makes sense. But like personally, because I don't know. For you, for me, I think for some of our listeners. These games are old news. They kind of like, you know, they just. I do we even play any of these games still? Mm. I I think for me the only one I still play is Mario Kart Eight, and that's only in social settings or when we're in line at E three or Comic Con or something. But like, I mean, when's the last time you played Odyssey or Breath of the Wild or Splatoon even? Which requires internet, so you can't really play it out and about. Let's see. No, they don't. I mean, you can play Splatoon locally with two people. You can even do Salmon Run locally. Oh, yeah, that's true, but you can't do, so regu- how, you can't do regular. But that's kind of how I do all... I, I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, did you mention Mario Kart? I said I play Mario Kart still because that one I can do in line for things, socially oh, yeah. with you guys. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I tune into Breath of the Wild once in a while just because I started another file. If I hadn't, I definitely wouldn't have touched it. Odyssey is 100%. I have zero reason to touch it, even right. though they keep adding costumes, unless they add more content. And I don't mean a balloon mode, but like <laughs> actual content, like another. I still think they should do kingdoms based on other. Yeah, Mario like another. Games. Like, yeah, like another kingdom, then I'll definitely pick it up, but no. Right? So, like, is Short it weird? No. So, is it weird if, like, for three years now you're going to hear Nintendo continually to harp on Mario Odyssey or you just tune it out? 
I kind of tune it out unless I hear the words new and kingdom. Right, right. Because, yeah, I, I think it's just like, maybe it's just my, maybe my feeling this way is just a symptom of the fact that I don't play my games enough as is. But I kind of liked when gaming was just like, you know, a game was a simple one-time release. You played it a bunch and that was on to the next thing. Like the fact that Mario Kart 7 is somehow still the dominant part of this 3DS conversation seven years after it came out just is weird to me. I don't know. Like it's not bad. Again, I get it as a business move. It's just personally, it's odd to me. Like the only exception to this I think is probably Pokemon Go, which I have never really stopped playing. It keeps changing and evolving. But some of these games that don't as much, it's weird, I admit, to be spending however long in the financials just now talking about Breath of the Wild again and Odyssey again and Splatoon again but it, it's a key part of Nintendo of the Nintendo story like it's these games together are a large part of I mean, why their, Nintendo's doing it's well. their evergreen and exactly I guess it's their in your face evergreen yeah that's kind of the weird thing I mean luckily for like me and for us that's you know the new stuff is selling well too so you know, I, I guess it's all fine and dandy as long as there's still new stuff to play. Like I, I'm not, I'm not like mad that oh man, they released Mario Odyssey, but they also released Mario Tennis. Uh, why didn't they just release Mario Tennis? Like that's, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like here, having them be such a key part of the narrative is just strange to me because at least to the '90s and early 2000s, where it's like the game's done and over with, we moved on. But like I said, the new stuff is doing well too, so we'll still get playing new stuff. Um, a name dropped earlier. Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze, and Mario Tennis Aces, both of them have done pretty well for themselves. So DK managed to sell 1.4 million copies in eight weeks. Hmm. That um, is better than the Wii U version ever did. In its entire lifespan, the Wii U version sold 1.12 million copies. And Donkey Kong did more than that in two months. That is really cool. So yeah, I mean, it goes to show the uh, power of Funky Kong, really, right? That and having a system that's actually selling well. But uh, I think I think more seriously, it goes to show that any series you throw on Switch somehow outperforms its predecessors. Like, I don't know what this trend is, but it seems to be happening over and over again. Like, case in point, Kirby Star Allies, which has only been out since March, right? Like, came out mid-March, I think. Already at 1.89 million units sold. It could very likely become the best-selling Kirby game since the original Kirby on Game Boy in 1992. That sold over 5 million. But every other Kirby game since then has topped off in the two millions or less, which is funny because like if you look at the original Kirby and you look at Star Allies, they're probably the most generic, boring of the Kirby's. Like all the interesting Kirby's have sold less. I mean, like what's your favorite Kirby? Hmm. Or name a couple. I have all the numbers for all the Kirby's right here, just to show you how bizarre the Kirby like trend is. I like, like Kirby's Adventure on the Game Boy Advance. On Game Boy Advance. Hold on, I'm looking for it. Wait, what do you mean Kirby's Adventure on Game Boy Advance? Kirby's Dream, Nightmare in Dreamland. Oh, I was like, there's there's well, like four. Well, because Kirby's Adventure, this one is a remake of Kirby's Adventure. But... So, so Nightmare in you're right, actually, it is. I should have picked up on that. Uh, Nightmare in Dreamland sold 2.1 million total. In three months, Canvas Curse? Star Allies is already right on its tail. Uh, Canvas Curse sold, that can't be right. Apparently less than a million. I don't believe that. I don't trust this chart. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe it has an asterisk. Uh, ah, okay. Canvas Curse. They don't have a hard number for on this chart. They cite VG charts, which is not reliable. So Canvas Curse, I don't know. But it is still. I do Crystal know. Shards? Crystal Shards. One point seven seven million. Amazing Mirror. Hold on. Crystal Shards has already been outsold by Star Allies in three months. That's weird. Amazing uh, Mirror. Amazing mirror? 
Uh, one point four six million. Oh, so have any of them broke five million? No, the only one that has is the original Dreamland in nineteen ninety two, and then the nearest one behind it is actually Superstar Ultra on the DS, which sold just shy of three million. And now we have Star Allies pacing. If it continues at even a slower rate, a slowed down version of this rate, it will probably become the second best seller and dethrone uh, Superstar Ultra, and possibly go as far as Dreamland and with five million, depending on you know how long this momentum goes. Hmm. But that's just crazy. Like it's not even the best Kirby game. I enjoy Star Allies. You can hear our impressions a few months ago for those who are curious. But it's not the best Kirby game, and yet it's selling among the best. Like Donkey Kong also has a situation where it's selling better than ever just because it's on Switch. Pokin just because it was on Switch was doing better. Like I imagine Captain Toad, we're gonna see huge numbers because it's on Switch. So I mean, then you've got like Mario Tennis Aces, right? And that launched at the very tail end of the quarter. It's already sold 1.3 million units, 1.36 million units worldwide. It has it had a strong enough debut in the 12 or so days that was on the chart, maybe less, that it's number one for, in the month of June on the U.S. sales chart according to MPD. It is that's with like a you know 12 days of sales, like I said. It's already the number one tennis debut on the charts since the first Mario Tennis on N64. Which I guess isn't that huge because how many tennis games are there? But you know you had how Rockstar. Well, you had Rockstar Tennis that was really big when it first came out. You had uh, other Mario Tennises, at least two or three, and yet Mario Tennis Aces is already up there. And the best-selling Mario sports game of all time, it turns out, is Mario Strikers. That's at two point six million total sales. Aces is at one point three six in twelve days. There's a very good chance that Aces could take the title of best-selling Mario sports game because again. Throw something on Switch, it becomes the best-selling version Nintendo of listens to this or sees this and be like, hey, we need another Mario Baseball. Or even the Strikers. It wasn't its anniversary right. like you know, a few days ago. It's uh, Strikers, years. yes. Charged. Charged, yeah. Charged came out late July on Wii. Yeah, Yeah, I, I saw a tweet that said, like, this day in gaming, mm-hmm. it came out 10 years ago or something. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, it was a good game. Actually, I never had Charged, I don't think. I think I only had really? the original. No, wait. I did have Charged. I'm sorry. I did. Like, really? I, did. I, I, I had both the original Yeah, I thought you bought everything, like... I don't own Endless Ocean. Like I did a, not buy everything. Like a sheep. I don't own Endless Ocean. That had Mario's name in it. I don't. Oh, yep, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just crazy that like. Except Hotel Mario. Well, I only became a sheep once I had the systems. You know, N64 <laughs> or Game Boy and up. Wow. But uh, but did, yeah, it's just did, kind did of, you have no interest in it, even though it had Hotel Mario? No, even though I didn't know about it until I was way older. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I guess that's right. Wait, when did it come out? How old were we? I honestly don't know. Uh, Hotel. Let me go to Google.com. Hotel Mario came out in uh, 1994. That's why I didn't play it. I was five. I didn't really know much. I didn't follow the Nintendo scene until like the mid to late 90s, I don't think. Hmm. Properly. Okay. I mean, I was obviously into the games, but I didn't like keep up with the news and whatnot. Like, I subscribed to Nintendo Power in 1999, 98. So. You know, when I was like 9 or 10. But anyway, point is, no matter what you throw on Switch, if it's a new game, a new entry in a franchise, it's doing pretty well. And what's also kind of interesting about that Martez Aces number that I shared, that 1.36 million, it's very close to the sales of another release this past quarter. Oh, by the way, I should clarify, 1.38 million is Martez. I said 3.6, it's 3.8. But um, those sales are very close to another release this past quarter that we haven't yet touched on, which is Nintendo Labo. Labo see, 
seems to uh well first nintendo seems to be treating labo like amiibo so they're not giving us a breakdown of how variety kit did versus how robot kit did they're saying collectively a lab uh labo has sold 1.39 million units same software question mark kind of question mark. i mean um like you know how they announced the the steering wheel majigger and all that stuff right they come with different cartridges with different stuff on them dang Robot kits. Only I was kind of hoping like game. you could get an update or something, so you don't have to get. Something. No, you know what's even weirder? Robot kit doesn't come with uh, the garage, the do the like DIY coding thing. That's only in Variety Kit, which is probably why Robot Kit bombed. But mm. but Nintendo's only bucking them as one sale number, and that number Yet, is one point three nine million. And I, but I guess all that stuff is still compatible with the mm-hmm. garage, right? I mean. That's a good question. Like, can you get the steering wheel and then create even more? Because that's what I was expecting. Like, as more Labo stuff comes out. Oh, get... oh, oh. The new Labo kit, which we'll get to in a sec, has garage as well. But I don't know if you can retroactively take the stuff from the new kit and put it in the old garage. You might need to use the new garage. But again... Mm, that's it... kind of weird. Yes, but maybe they'll do a software update. They haven't already said. Maybe yeah. they'll do a software update. But but right now, what we know... Uh, we'll get to the kit in a sec, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that... Um, it, it Labo is selling. It's just nope. not as fast there is as a fly it, in the room. There's a fly in the room and it's driving me crazy, which is why I keep trailing off in mid sentence. But anyway, um yeah, if, if you hear a buzzing on your on your headphones, it's not a real fly in your world, it's a fly in our world. Yeah, we have to keep the door open so it it's, get... it's currently uh like ninety two degrees out and we're Jeez. dying. Um but anyway. What was I trying to say? Labo, right, so one point three nine million. Um it is slower going than say donkey kong or mario tennis but i mean it's it's a slow burn type of product like i'm not really surprised and if i remember correctly there's this interview with um one of the nintendo subsidies might have been nintendo france and this was back before labo came out and they were saying that they expect upwards of 80 percent of labo's sales to happen during the holidays like october through december so if 1.39 million is let's say even the full 20 percent that they're not expecting during the holidays we're talking about product that's still going to sell six to seven million that's still pretty successful for cardboard hmm. so like i i should you know they just need word of mouth they need new kits that sort of thing and to that end as you mentioned there is a new kit we are getting a new kit much like the original labo reveal um out of nowhere nintendo's basically like yo there's a new kit coming in six weeks september 14th it's called the vehicle kit here it is and what you're essentially doing is building the control me- mechanisms for three different vehicles so you got the steering wheel and a gas pedal for a car you got a full-on joystick control plane and you got this weird box thing for a submarine. And the thing I think is kind of cool about it is Nintendo's basically building a Pilot Wings game to go along with all this. I mean, not in name, but I'd, I'd argue absolutely in concept. You're exploring what looks like kind of this open world. You're using ve- different vehicles. You're completing tasks like flying through rings in the sky or seeking out treasure underwater or hunting down balloons hanging around the map in your car. Okay. That one actually feels more like Diddy Kong Racing than anything else, but... What? No, they're basically pilot wings. Yeah, basically pilot. Exactly. Yeah, it's pilot wings and everything but name. But what's different here is you can switch vehicles on the fly. So, um, along with the three vehicle controls that you have to build as Labo, the kit also comes with two what they call cardboard keys that you build. And you simply pull the key out of one vehicle controller and you pop it into another one, and then your vehicle literally will morph on screen in the game. You don't need to go to different modes. You don't need to select different things. And you can even hand a second key to your friend. They can pop it into a second controller, and you can have you know, two co-op vehicles going at once. So there's like a lot of cool stuff they're doing with this. 
And it, it's funny because this, this to me feels like the spiritual successor of Pilot Wings. Like, it's exactly the direction I want Pilot Wings to go in. Like, one air-connected open world where you can do whatever you want in whatever vehicle you want just sounds perfect for Pilot Wings. Like, it kind of already had the air-connected world idea down. Like, Woohoo Island in uh, Pilot Wings Resort back on 3DS. That was one world, but you still had to, like, go to a menu, change your vehicle, and then, like, kind of rejigger the world a bit to make it work with each vehicle. It's kind of like in Mario 64 where you pick your star and then the level slightly changes for the star. But... You know, it's still. This is still kind of taking that idea. It's just make taking out the menu, and making it feel more organic. So that that to me is just really cool. Like it, it's here we are. At what I honestly thought the next pilot wings would be like, except it's with Labo instead. Hmm. But I and and there's definitely like hints of other B tier Nintendo franchises in here too. I mean, the submarine looks like it's borrowing from Steel Diver. The look and feel of the car you drive is basically Excite Truck. Not the same speed, but design-wise, it's kind of similar. I like. I I think it's smart. What Nintendo's basically doing is, um, like, they could have easily made a compilation of Steel Diver, Excite Truck, and Pilot Wings, and branded all three of those with Toy-Con controllers. But doing this, having just some borrowed gameplay mechanics, but doing it in a different way, it lets them kind of ex- expand and lift up what Labo can be and what it can do, without diluting the brands that may upset core fans. So it's kind of like a win-win. Like they get to sort of make nods to those franchises and get fans of those franchises interested in this without saying the fran- the fans by being like, well, you want a pilot wing, so instead you have to build yourself a pilot wing. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I think one thing that's a little less logical um, is why they announced the vehicle kit when they did. Like a random Thursday the week after Comic-Con doesn't make much sense sense to me. I get no announcement at E3. Like, could you imagine how upset core gamers would have been if Nintendo's big showcase things at E3 is like, Pokemon, Smash Bros, Labo. Like, people are like, why are you wasting, well, you can't make real games, why is it only Labo? So to do it not at E3 makes sense. But at Comic-Con, Nintendo had a decent-sized Labo area in their gaming lounge, or sorry, their family lounge. Like, they had a whole area where you could, like, build Labo and play the games and whatnot. This would have been a perfect place to debut that. Well, seems like a weird missed opportunity. Nintendo is really weird lately. Yeah, they do some weird stuff. I mean, regardless, one thing they do have working in their favor with the vehicle kit um, is it is the most gamey looking of any Labo set. I mean, the game itself does seem pretty elaborate. It um, elaborate. It seems pretty elaborate compared to the uh, compared to the robot game or the variety kit, which they really have games. Like it lets you customize the vehicle it has multiple mission types per vehicle and as i was saying it still comes with the entire toy con garage on top of that and then like outside the game you've got two straight up controller accessories like i don't know what that um submarine is but the joystick for the plane is a joystick and the steering wheel and pedal are just a steering wheel and pedal like i'd love to see nintendo integrate these with other games i mean mario kart seems obvious they already gave it the handlebar toy con support so why not just give you the wheel and pedal as well but why not go further than that? Like, essentially, what they have with the pedal and the wheel is the setup for any arcade racing game. So why not, like, make my dream come true and bring Cruise and Blast to the Switch? Back when I first shared impressions of Cruise and Blast, I want to say it was, like, episode, I don't know, episode 170, maybe. Let's just say it was, it was somewhere around there. Um, I said it was perfect for Switch. Like, it really feels like a good Switch game. It's arcadey enough. It's crazy enough. It has the nostalgia appeal. And now even more so because, I mean, the the game literally doesn't have a brake pedal. 
And now Nintendo's conveniently like, we you can build your controller with one gas pedal and no brake pedal and a steering wheel. It's like, oh, what game is perfect for the one gas pedal with no brake pedal? The game without a brake pedal. Cruise and Blast. So almost like, too perfect. It's almost too perfect. But it'd be cool to see them like maybe give access to other companies to do stuff with these too. Because like, that joystick for the airplane would be kind of cool if like Pac-Man Championship Edition or something could let you control the game with like an arcade joystick that you build out of cardboard. Like, that just seems kind of fun. Like, maybe Nintendo can start to give access to, like, the Toy-Con APIs the same way they eventually open up Miis to third parties. Where, basically, like, all right, here's these crazy things that people build. Here's how the inputs work. Here's how I read them. Go crazy, third-party developers. Integrate. Do it. Because, like, I mean, you know, Labo's a million seller. It could potentially be a six or seven million seller. As it ramps up, I'm sure we'll see more. So, like, why not let other developers hook into that? Why not let other developers get kids who bought a switch for labo then get interested in their game because it supports labo like i i mean honestly i wouldn't expect you to suddenly change your mind on labo i imagine you're not picking up the vehicle i mean would you i'm torn i need to know what the game has in more detail fair enough but would you is there any circumstance that you consider getting the vehicle kit since it is the most gamey of the games honestly don't think so um outside from the for the more um I guess real world reason that's like I just don't have the space for that kind of stuff. That's my hesitance. It's like that alone, like that reason alone, is enough for me to give an automatic no until that situation changes. Maybe I'll one day have a bigger house and I'll do something like that, or maybe right. I'll, I'll get rid of a bunch of stuff because I'll just suddenly go through. You know what? I'm done with Ninja Turtles. I don't need to have this metric ton of Ninja Turtle stuff, and that's suddenly... that's a literal measurement. Just so everyone listening is clear, like he has mm-hmm. so much Ninja Turtle stuff, and I'm not judging it. I'm just letting people know metric ton is quite accurate. <laughs> and I mean that would free up a lot of space, but other than that, um, I don't know. I guess I also kind of feel like I'm at a point where there either has to be a compelling story, or there has to be a competitive aspect to it. Mm. So, so, or a party, or a party aspect to let it. Let me ask you this. So. And I don't think that has any of those things. Let me ask you this, though. If they were to hypothetically... This is kind of where I was going with the first question. If they were to hypothetically open up the Toy-Con control access to other games, to other companies, would... Like, let's say you could play Mario Kart, but everyone could use weird controllers to do it. Or let's say they do some new... Some crazy game we can't even think of that uses the joystick. For controller for life. Sure. But let's say, like, some game uses the, the joystick from the plane in some interesting way. No more Hori controllers would, either. Would that get you into it? Yeah, Hori, yeah. But would that one get... About the other one, yeah. It bit the dust. Oh, it did? Yeah, I tweeted about it a little bit. Oh, that's right, ago, you yeah. did. I remember that. But would that get you to jump in with Labo if, like, some game did some interesting thing with it? In, a, in the world of gaming you like, where it's either compelling or competitive or whatever, maybe. Or is it kind of like, now nah, just use a normal controller? Nah, if, if a normal controller is an option, like... It would have to be like a really don't you think of it like if there's like a party game that has you build this elaborate labo contraption that like has multiple people interacting with it simultaneously and it's like like a literal party game that could be cool then I could get I would be down for that right but if it's just an option then no then no but see hypothetically. What Nintendo could do if they open up the Toy-Con APIs is other folks, other developers, indie developers, come up with interesting ways to use them where they do become the focus of the game. And maybe it is a party game where you have to do stuff with the Labo house or whatever, like cooperatively or competitively. Or I don't know. But it just seems like a good... It, it seems like maybe not for us, but for kids more so. 
it's just like a cool opportunity to get kids to buy more Switch games because here's their things they built and now I can use them in all these other different ways. It's kind of like the you know the idea we've talked about before of well Yoshi's Woolly World is probably or whatever it's called Yoshi's flipping <laughs> flipping out is probably um, <laughs> Yoshi's flipping out Yoshi's flipping out but it's probably <laughs> there getting, he goes again he, he's going oh, crazy boy. again oh Yoshi but no that probably would make sense to get retrofitted for Labo support in some capacity like it just seems like a natural evolution so especially with these toy cons in particular from the vehicle kit so I, I mean time will tell but. I've, I've got to be honest, though. Um, of all the things for Nintendo to announce, to announce around their financials, I did not expect a Labo kit to be one of them. I mean, I mean, technically they did review a few other small things in the financials. We now know the core Pokemon RPG for Switch is coming in late 2019 instead of second half of 2019, so there's a big revelation that I don't think anyone saw coming. Uh, we also know that Nintendo's officially publishing um, a couple Japanese games for the West, Nintendo will be the one that publishes the World End With You Final Mix. They'll be the one that published uh, Deus Ex Machina, which they showed back at uh, E3. And so they... is it Machina or is it Machina? It's probably Machina, now that you mention it. You're right. It... No, that can't be right. No, I guess it can. Is the game really called Deus Ex Machina? Because there's another game with that name. Did I really just never connect that till now? Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah, I it mean, probably is Machina. Yeah, yeah, talking about the Human Revolution ones? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's called Machina. Yeah. Well, anyway, they're publishing that robot game, and they're also <laughs> publishing. They're also publishing this one. I didn't even know what this was when I saw it in the financial briefing, like papers, and I had to go look it up. It was apparently announced during the uh, frenzy of E3. Who knew they are publishing a game called Fitness Boxing? So apparently, Fitness what Boxing is, is a new take on a Wii game series, which was called Shape Boxing. is by Imagineer over in Japan that came west. I've never heard of shape boxing either, but somehow it sold 850,000 copies worldwide. So it is a thing. So it's like boxer size? Yes. What it amounts to is a series of boxing exercises you used to do at the Wiimotes, and now you're going to do it at the Joy-Cons. And for reasons I cannot figure out for the life of me, Nintendo is going to be publishing this one in the West. Which, to me, is extremely random, given the fact that they gave up on Wii Fit and the like. So it's weird that they're like, oh, we're not going to use our more successful brand. We'll just handle publishing this company's pretty decently doing. It's cheaper to do bank, that than to. Probably. Yeah. You know, maybe own. now that you mention it, maybe they're just trying to test the water, see if the market's still there for something like that. And then if it is, they could come back with Switch Fit or Wii Fit Switch or whatever they mm-hmm. call it. Switch Fit. Switch Fit. Switch Fit sounds too much like a uh, bitch fit or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get. But um, anyway, the, the real biggie that I thought we'd see tucked into Nintendo's financials wasn't any of this stuff it wasn't there at all i was kind of hoping for any sort of information on switch online Hmm. i mean we're at the point now where amazon is already letting you pre-order membership for switch online like you can go get digital codes which first of all why do you need to pre-order a digital code they don't sell out they're digital what are you pre-ordering for but but regardless more of the point nintendo opened up the option to buy switch online without actually telling anyone what they're paying for. Like, we know the very basics. You get classic AES games with online multiplayer. You get cloud saves. You get the ability to continue playing your Switch games online that you can currently play online. But, like, which NES games do we get? What does the Switch app offer? Are they going to retroactively add voice chat to existing games? And will it be through the Switch app? Or will they have on-device voice chat? Will there be any hope for on-device voice chat like we literally don't know we have no clue the service launches next month like maybe we should be getting a direct about this 
instead of about Smash Bros. Smash Bros. is in December. It has a little time. Switch Online is four to eight, four to seven weeks from now. It does not have a little time. It has much less than a little. So, I don't know. It just seems weird that even in the financials, just like, yup, we're going to launch Switch Online. It's going to do great for us. It's like, yep, okay, what does it do? How's it work? <laughs> give us more info. And just give you an idea of how lacking our knowledge is as they begin to sell Switch Online, which is something, presumably when you buy it, you want to know how it works. Um, we don't even officially know if free-to-play games are going to be behind the online paywall or not. So here's what someone on Reset Era did, the gaming forum. They went through all the various pages of Nintendo.com manually and found that for the free-to-play titles, none of them had the legalese about eventually needing a subscription. But unless you choose to go through those motions yourself or happen to be savvy enough to find this thread on Reset Era or whatever, you have no clue. And if you decide to buy Switch Online to, say, play Fortnite, only to realize you don't actually need Switch Online to play Fortnite, they're kind of stuck. Like, it's, a we- it's weird that we just don't know these things that Nintendo's already selling the service. And we're so close to launch, yet we're so out of the loop. That is annoying me a little bit. Yeah, like, why, why aren't they saying things? I just don't get it. And the, the, finan- the financial briefing would be a great opportunity, or they even have a briefing. The financial report would have been a good place to say it will offer A, B, C, D, E, F. But instead, they're just like, we're going to make money off it. It's going to be great. It's like, all right, fine. And it's funny because, like, literally everything else about the financial report is basically what you'd expect and what we kind of guessed would be the case. Like, we knew Switch games were doing well. Now we just know how well. We knew Labo was a slow burner. Now we just know what the next steps for Labo are with Vehicle Kit. Um, we pretty much knew everything that came that was in this report. We just now know the details behind it. But the one thing we don't know is the one thing they didn't talk about at all. So it's weird. Actually, I, I take that back. There is one guy who didn't even know the stuff I thought everyone knew. <laughs> so th- this is one of my favorite stories making the rounds lately because it's so unformed, shall we say? Um, basically, there's this guy. His name is Gabriel Plotkin, and he tried to short Nintendo's stock leading up to the financial reports release. He has a hedge fund. It's called Melvin Capital Management. And his idea was, I'll just short the stock. I'll make a ton of money. It'll be great. So he did this right before the release, expecting it to be bad. And and, um, he ended up being wrong to the tune of $400 million. He is out a paper loss of $27 million. Because Nintendo's stock, after the good numbers, because we all knew they're doing well, uh, their stock went up 7% following the report. Meanwhile, he's like, oh, well, I guess I got that wrong. But what's interesting is apparently he's just one of a number of investors that have been trying to short Nintendo's stock, which is partially why over the past month or two, Nintendo's stock has actually dropped 27% in value because all these investors are like, well, we're getting, now's the time to, you know, now's the time to short. It's like, well, no, because look what happens when you try. Um, although, interestingly, according to Bloomberg's calculations, or one of the story, uh, this guy Plotkin, he was responsible for about a third of all the shorts. So oh, wow. he's doing he's doing a lot of it himself, and he's getting screwed over. So when it's a lot of investors are doing it, it's just a couple. It's a handful of investors that are driving it down. But you know, obviously, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a savvy investor. I don't run my own hedge fund. But I don't really get what he thought would happen. Like, I mean, everyone's been talking about how well Switch is doing for them, not just Nintendo. You had like the Take Two CEO. He was going on record saying that Switch has been successful for them. We have more games coming out. 
uh, Capcom reported that both Street Fighter Anniversary Collection and the Mega Man Collections are seeing, quote, strong and, quote, robust sales, respectively, which, um, you know, those aren't hard numbers, but Capcom's one of the least shy companies when a game bombs. They always say when a game underperforms. So if they're calling it strong and robust, that's a good sign. They've got, you know, a major third-party release like Octopath Traveler. That game has already sold a million copies worldwide in about two and a half weeks. And it's doing so well in Japan that there's not just shortages of the game, but one-day sellouts whenever they manage to get the game back in stock. So, you know, that's just the that's just the big public companies, too. On the indie side, it's still success after success as well, like the latest being Thimbleweed Park. On Switch, Thimbleweed Park's sales are about to exceed the lifetime sales of the much older original Steam version of Thimbleweed Park. And according to the devs, uh, according to the de- developers, there's no sign of it slowing down at that point either. Like, they think it's just going to keep trucking. So I you still want to buy that game, though. So... Right? See, yeah. you're one of those people that will help it keep trucking. So, like, you would think the hedge fund guy... Like, what I'm saying is maybe, just maybe, like, you had your $400 million flub coming? Like, I, all the signs were there. I just rattled off, like, five different sales stats, not even from Nintendo, but from other people who work with Nintendo, saying things are looking up. So, like, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. It's it's bizarre to me. It's funny. It's just bizarre. Yeah. But, but you know what? Enough about numbers. Enough about money. Enough about dude who did the opposite of what he should have. We were talking about games at the start of this, so let's actually switch gears and go back to talking about games because there's been a few announcements lately that uh, we want to highlight, starting with a kind of cool but really unexpected move from yeah, the gang over that, at Way Forward. Oh, I was... What were you going to say? I thought you were going to talk about the fact that um, Nintendo or Zoink didn't put... Um, stick it, not stick it to the map, flipping death for 20% off on the Switch, and they did on the PlayStation. That is puzzling. Oh, wait, well... I, I think um, we kind of talked about this on the phone, but I think you mentioned that there's a good chance that Sony flipped the bill on that one. Just so oh, yeah, Sony it. may have basically money had it, so it gets more appealing on PS4. Yeah, but so. you would think Nintendo would counter that, because as we are just discussing, everyone's doing so on Switch, you think Nintendo would want to keep that momentum. Yeah. So to make something more appealing on your competitor. I mean, I don't know how Thicker to the Man did on the Wii U versus the PS4. I can't imagine I it know. did that well, considering the Wii U's. Well, here's the, weird, here's the weird thing about indie but games. But I love that the... game, and that game was really good. I've been looking forward to this game. I mean, it comes out next week. I can't believe it. So, so basically, if you want to pre-order it, you get a 20% discount on PS4, but on Switch? Yeah. So, hmm. so it's almost like, I guess I'll just get it on the PS4 then. I mean, yeah. the nice thing is that it's literally going to be the exact same game. Yeah. There are zero benefit. I think on the Switch, I want to say... Does that have touch control? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I want to say on the Switch, there were pointer controls. Yeah, but even oh, that. But even then, that's kind of inconsequential, because I mean, you have your second analog stick. Right. But yeah, that's not really gonna. Yeah, I don't know what. Like, yeah, that one's weird. I agree. I think. Um, but to your earlier point about indie games not doing well on Wii U, I'm pretty sure on Wii U the big ones really floated to the top and did quite well, simply because there was nothing else to play. Yeah. Like, a lot of the devs that support Wii U are still huge supporters of Nintendo now. Like, they didn't leave and come back when Switch started blowing up. They were, like, naming st- releasing stuff and announcing stuff for Switch from the start. Like, Zoink very early on said they were going to support Switch. So, yeah, the only thing I can think of is Sony money-hatted or foot the bill on that 20% discount just to get more eyeballs on it. Yeah. Which well, is, you know, I mean, fair works. game. That's how it works. Yeah, you're and you're doing it. But, no, the thing I wanted to bring up is a little cooler than that for Nintendo fans in that um, the gang at Way Forward is just giving out free content for Shantae Half-Genie Hero out of nowhere. So for anyone, and I mean anyone, 
who owns Shantae Hapchini Hero, regardless of platform, you got two freebies the other day. The first is Jammy Mode, which is an entire new DLC pack, separate from the main story. Shantae swaps out her usual getup for pajamas. She can float on a little cloud, like a little sleepy cloud. She can throw sheep, because she's counting sheep, because she's asleep, you see. And, um, <laughs> there's my you see. And, uh, yeah, it's a whole new set of levels, and it's all free. And then separate from that, they also updated the main game with a new transformation where she could turn into the tank, the Sophie 3, from Battlemaster Zero. For no rhyme or reason. They don't bother to explain why. Because she uh, can't. Because Shantae was DLC for Battlemaster Zero. No, but I mean, like, there's no game logic of why she's suddenly a tank when everything else is animals. Oh. I'm not saying there's a problem with that. There's no rhyme or reason to why a tank now. But you meant, like, the bigger reason. No, 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 no. I get that. Yeah, they're they're buddy-buddy with uh, Inti Creates. I understand that, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. She's like an organic tank. Yeah, it's like a tank with a little human head. It's funny. But, um, and you you know, you can do what tanks do. You can roll, you can shoot, you can hover. Like, it's full on the Blaster Master tank in Shantae. It is is, still really cool. And I do like that, um, their costume DLC is more than just like an aesthetic change. It's like there are other ones that you could, when you could play as a ninja, you could play the, her and her, I guess, uh, I think it's just a bikini. Yes, but, I don't remember. Well, either way, she's in a she's in a bikini of sorts. But what's cool about that one is that I guess um, because she has more skin exposed, the sun actually has an effect on her. You have to keep jumping into water, otherwise you get sunburned. Oh, that's cool. That's and, a nice touch. And you also throw. I mean, pretty much like they they put more effort into these things. Like it's like a yeah. full on mode, which is yeah. pretty cool. But and and yeah. you know what the the coolest part about I think this, in this one that you get too heavy with pillows. It's like a pillow fight. Yeah, so, it's a yeah. and you have the cloud and you have the sheep yeah. and all that. It's it's really cool and it's you see. again it's all you see and uh, it's all free. That's the best part. Like the most surprising, significant, interesting part about this is it's not just cool that WayForward made this, but they made it for every single version of the game, including Vita, and more significantly to us Nintendo folk, including Wii U. And oh. I, they say it's their way of saying thank you to all the backers for, of the project since it first started on Kickstarter and whatnot. But beyond just that, which I totally believe, I'm not saying they're being facetious that, or but beyond just or not facetious, but uh, lying about that. But beyond just that, this is also a perfect example. Everyone, take out your notepads. This is a perfect example of how to keep your game and yourself as a company relevant. Like Shantae's back in the news now. Everyone's covering this game. People go check it out. They maybe buy it. And you're doing all that while simultaneously rewarding your loyal fans who've been there all along or who bought at any point with new content. It's win-win. It's basically the same mentality as how a good game of service service is run, but it's with this little indie game, Shantae, and it's really cool to see him do. I mean, have you played it yet? I've played, well, not the DLC. Yeah, the new stuff, I mean. I know you no. played Shantae. No, I'm, I'm waiting. I've been waiting for a good time to buy the Ultimate Edition on the Switch. I haven't. Don't you have it on Wii U? I backed it. I did, but I pretty much abandoned it at some point just because uh, the Switch came out, and I'm like, I'll just replay the whole thing. On Switch? Yeah, on Switch. Well, Ultimate Edition will, of course, also support the DLC, so... Yeah. You're you're the type of guy that's like... Cause were you... I guess in the back of your mind, you're always like, yeah, I'll eventually buy Shantae, but did this sort of revitalize the idea to I you mean, a little? I mean, it made me look more forward to that whenever that day right. comes, but it's not going to make it come any sooner. Sure, but at least it got you thinking oh, about no, yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that, it works yeah, on some yeah, level. Definitely, because yeah. I mean, before that, I still have to get Overcooked too. If anything, I have to pre-order it because I want to get those fried free chefs. Because you just have yeah, to have gotta get that chef. platypus, dude. That platypus is great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's that Switch exclusive platypus, everyone. There was a game I was interested in getting. I think it's called like Prehistoric Isle Two. I saw footage of it, and is yeah. that the um? That's a that's an old game. 
It's like a game from 1999 where you're like some Neo Geo. It's yeah, yeah, it's, it's a Hamster Neo release. Yeah, it's a Neo Geo hamster release. Yeah. It's made by SNK. You mm. play these like SWAT helicopters shooting dinosaurs in the city. The most '90s thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Jurassic Park two that meets plot. Contra. Yeah, I mean, or meets uh, Metal Slug. Well, you're always in the air. They're like flying airplanes, so it oh, means like so. 1945. Oh, it's it's an airship. But it's like it's a size. It's, gotcha. from, it's from the side, so it's like R type. I think that's what. It's yeah, R type. Yeah, so it's like that. It didn't seem as hard as I would have hoped, so probably gonna skip it. I just like the concept; it sounds. Ridiculous. It's a great concept, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you prefer um, indie games to be new releases and not just DLC or old ports of Neo Geo games, um, let me point all our listeners' attention to the just confirmed Switch version of Surgeon Sim- uh, Simulator. Now, granted, technically this is also an old game. Surgeon Simulator has been out for five years and been on everything from iOS to PlayStation VR to Oculus to Google Play Store. You name it, it's there. But um, it's doing some neat stuff on Switch. It has a new addition. They're calling it CPR. It stands for Co-op Play Ready. Not normal CPR, but you see what they did is because CPR. Anyway, uh, and for for those who may not know about Surgeon Simulator, it's not exactly a simulator. It's not even this about is the precision. Adult swim one? I don't know if they originally published it, did they? Because I know Adult Swim was involved with a surgery-related game. Uh, and surgery? it's the one where you're like, it's like very... It's not very real. Yeah. This to to say be. the least, there's like Surgeon Simulator Christmas Edition where you like do open heart surgery. No, theirs was called Amateur Surgeon. Amateur Surgeon. So this is Surgeon Simulator. And um, to give you some idea, like... Uh-huh. It's not even about precision in the same way that Trauma Center was. Like, Trauma Center wasn't a serious surgery game on the DS or the Wii, but it was still like more serious than this because this Whoa, one man if you saw the plot man that thing was serious it was like set buckets like there was like an aliens inside your bloodstream and everyone was really serious all the time i should replace the word serious can i amend that with dramatic realistic oh okay because there <laughs> there's no aliens in uh real bloodstreams i hope yeah you also don't have to do like a pentagram style that's true style. yeah usually you don't summon the devil to you know cure someone or do you is that what an exorcism is in reverse i don't know but no um yeah, so instead what Surgeon Simulator does is it tosses you into a first-person perspective. You're controlling the surgeon's hands, and you have some questionable physics. Uh, you're basically put in charge of, sur- of solving one of the patient's problems, but the physics are all weird. So perhaps you have to solve it with a hammer, or you have to solve it with a laser, or even gasp with some actual proper surgical tools. But it's all with these kind of wonky physics, and you have to kind of learn the physics and get the hang of doing all these weird things. Even if it's just with the weird tool... You're still graded. There is still method to the madness. So as you complete each challenge, you're given a rating. And depending on if the patient's like bleeding out or not, that affects the rating. But again, it's not very realistic because you're breaking their ribs with a hammer. So it's kind of like this weird arcade give and pull, give and take sort of vibe of a surgery game. But for the Switch edition, what's cool is they're adding motion controls via the Joy-Cons. And more notably... For the first time in the series history, you can have two people do surgery side by side together for the first time. So even if you played on other systems, it sounds like this could be, if you're a fan of of the uh, game, this could be a fun way to revisit it because now it's almost a party game. Hmm. Fits the Switch's uh, MO quite well. And I'm mostly just intrigued by how bizarre the physics look. It's like if you gave Octodad a surgery game. That is the most accurate way I've heard it yeah. being described. Yes. Yeah, it's basically Octodad. Um, so it'll be out this fall to check out. it. I'm intrigued. That's all I gotta say about that. But uh, there's another game that's been around a while that's also now Switch Bound that we wanted to highlight. 
and that is Bendy and the Ink Machine. This one's more up your alley, Angel, because it focuses on animation and the different eras of animation, right? Um, from sort what of. I can tell, it's just one era. <laughs> oh, so why do they lie in their press releases? Anyway, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, if it's, I mean, I, I know Bendy and the Ink Machine like, from what I've seen yeah, and from gameplay and whatnot. It's essentially like based on the the early like Steamboat Willie style animation, like that era. So I guess that's 1950s. No, it has to be a little earlier than that. Thirties, yeah, thirties. Yeah, I was gonna say because Snow White came out in the fifties. Um, yeah, so that era, like the rubber hose, the uh, Pac-Man eyes, that kind of deal. The Cuphead look. The although it predates older. It. Yeah, you're right. Older. Yeah, Cuphead was. Later. Cuphead was definitely a little newer. But yeah, so that game is like, what if Walt Disney wanted to like bring these characters to life, and it all went horribly wrong, and you get like this. So Five Nights at Fred, Five Nights at Freddy's. Well. Sort of, because Friday the Freddy's is weird. It's like you're a security guard and you're stationary in one spot, and you're just like looking at security cameras for these animatronics that can only move when you're not looking at them. Mm-hmm. So by finding them in the security camera, you're stopping them from reaching your location to kill you. Sure. And this one, it's more of a you. I mean, you walk around in a 3D space. It's a first-person perspective. You find random objects on the ground. You find a cog. All right, where do I need to put this cog? Oh, I put it on this giant machine. I find this ran- other random object to see where it's like a, it's a s- find out where this random doohickey goes kind of game. Ah, uh, so I, some light puzzling in a yeah, wh- scary space. Yeah, <laughs> while while you're being like haunted by this creature that can kill you if it finds you and scares right. you. Bendy, I assume, or is it the ink machine well, that finds you and kills you? Well, the ink machine is what created Bendy. Ah, uh, so it's Bendy. You see, and I do see. Thank you, thank you, Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> Ram yeah. Nintendo, the you see podcast. And, I mean, it, it looks interesting. It has a very interesting concept. I was interested in playing it, but had no... I mean, my Mac, I wouldn't really trust it to run games. It can run my Maya software, but I don't... Also, just in general... I run games. You'd think that, but I don't know. It even chugged a little with um with Hearthstone. Oh, oh, really? I don't know, it's weird. It's like, huh. it, it's like a separate thing. Like Just because it can run Maya doesn't necessarily mean it can run games. Watch me flex my limited computer knowledge. GPUs versus CPUs, am I right? Yeah, it's like some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, Someone's gonna be like, "Oh God," when I said that. But <laughs> well, I mean, uh, either way, I'm kind of different. I've got this computer like in 2007 or right. eight. Well, and, since you're probably not upgrading a well, regard- giant iMac, well, are you gonna well, get this on Switch. Yeah, well, regardless, like, like, oh, it's on Switch. I'm kind of interested. I mean, my brother. I mean, obviously, up bought a computer just for gaming, and he's played through some of it. And from what I can tell, he's enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So I don't. know, I might give it a shot. I, mean, I, do, I do like the horror games, but this game has kind of like taken on that. Kind of like Friday and Freddy's, like a almost like a mini like popularity like spotlight mode. Like I see it at GameStop, I saw it at Comic Con. It's like, funny because it, it has like a lot of random merch for some reason. GameStop's actually the only retailer of the physical version of this game for Switch, so there's definitely some weird GameStop synergy going on there. Yeah, and I'm sure like I mean same thing with like Hello Neighbor, Welcome Neighbor, whatever yeah. that game. Like that game also got like its little wave of merchandise. And... Yeah, and that's and that's coming to Switch soon too. Yeah, and that's also another. First person, I found this doohickey. Where did this other doohickey go? This secret lore that in a kind of creepy explore, setting. In a creepy setting, yeah. yeah. So it's it's almost the exact same game. It's um, it's, it's fine game. that they're all kind of switch at once. But yeah, in the case of Bendy, the advantage of you waiting for Switch or anyone that hasn't played it yet getting on Switch is, uh, from my understanding, it's all the episodes together. It used to be episodic when it first came out. Now it's just you get them all in one go, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I know. Like only package. got Obis only got to play like up to episode three, and he's like, "Oh, dang it! I want to see what happens next." Right. But, right. So this is all out in October, appropriately enough for a slightly creepy horror game. Um, but yeah, it sounds like it sounds cool. It sounds. 
I mean, it's basically a genre that's growing pretty quickly, but at least it has, for you, the animation bent. October, does that, hopefully by then. I mean, it's before Smash Brothers. Two months before. Yeah, and by then, ideally, I will be done with God of War. I, I mean, I plan on finishing it in these next two weeks. Right. I, I'm on my final leg of my vacation. Right. So, I don't know. It might you be a good time. time to play another single-player game. There you yeah, go. Yeah. But along with just these indies, to sort of pivot a little here, uh, Bandai Namco, they've also been busy announcing things these past couple weeks. And can I just say that everything they're announcing is just weird? It's just kind of weird. No. I mean, first up... They confirmed they're doing a Western release for... Do you say no to guys say <laughs> Well, you're, you're not allowed to bash Namco. Well, I'm sorry, Bamco. Uh, but no, first up, they confirmed they're doing a Western release for the Switch entry in the Taiko Drum Master series, which is cool, right? Like, those games are fun. They're basically the true version of Donkey Konga. I believe the Taiko team is actually the one who made Donkey Konga back in the GameCube days in the first place. But here's the weird thing. We're not actually getting a Taiko Drum Master. Instead, we're getting what seems to be a bare minimum translated version of the Japanese Taiko Drum Master series, Taiko no Tatsujin. I hope I said that right. Uh, the Switch version isn't even here in the States. The U.S. title isn't even Taiko Drum Master. It's Taiko no Tatsujin Drum and Fun. <laughs> It'll still contain all the same songs as the Japanese version. It's not. They're not changing anything. Stranger yet, it's... A digital only release for us in North America meaning you guessed it there will not be a drum to play with now to be fair to Bandai Namco since I'm apparently not allowed to talk about how weird they are um, the drum accessory isn't as much of a necessity in the Switch version as it was for like the PS2 or the Donkey Konga drums were on GameCube because the Joy-Cons are going to support air drumming to the songs which I believe I believe the songs even include some Nintendo tunes this time around like, I know for sure the game lets you play as Kirby or, Spl- or the Splatoon Squid in a certain mode, but I think it also has Nintendo Music, and it has a four-player player rhythm-based minigame mode, which is kind of cool. But nonetheless, you're air drumming to the songs. That's not the same as real drumming. Like, I'm, I'm kind of bummed there's no tactile way to, to play this thing. I mean, if you have a DK bongo lying around from the Donkey Kong games on GameCube. You can technically hook them up with a GameCube controller adapter via USB to your Switch, then dock uh, Drum and Fun, and then play it that way with the bongos. But if you don't, you don't really have a drum. Alternatively, you could go play Asia or one of those sites and import Hori's official drum controller for Switch for somewhere between $70 and $100. But if you don't want to spend that much on a drum controller for one game, you're going to be air drumming. And I don't know, it just seems... Mm, a lot. A lot. You're getting so much air drumming. But no, it just seems like you should have a simple way to drum for a drumming game. Like, the whole point of drumming is there's a nice... Someone's ears just blew I out. Mean, but there's like a nice... You know, there, you meet some resistance. There's a thing you hit. At the very air least, drumming it could make same. a limited quantity of drums that they could ship out if they're not going to expect it to sell that much. Yeah, and what's weird is... In, so we're only getting a digital version. In Europe, they're getting a physical version, and the drum controller hasn't even been know, confirmed it, over there yet. It's it, like, what is the point? Yeah, but you think like, all right, maybe by doing just a digital version, they could leverage the cost of some drums. Right. But, but no. And you know what's even more bizarre? So like, that's bizarre. Here's what's even more bizarre. There are two games coming out weeks apart all about air drumming on Switch. Like, Tyco's due out in November, but sometime before that in the fall, Exceed Games will be releasing a localized version of Gal Metal. So Gal Metal, as you may recall, we talked about months ago. Gal Metal is the heavy metal meets Japanese school children saving the world from aliens game by uh, Takfuji. 
He's the guy. You probably don't know that name, but do you remember the infamous Konami E3 press conference, that really awful one where there's a guy the talking about Nine Nine Nights 3 and he had dreadlocks? Yeah, I was going to say the dude with the long hair. Yes, he was the producer of that, and he now makes Gal Metal as a standalone thing next to Eve Publishing. Why does it seem so fitting? It, it really does. But, I mean, the game's kind of cool. Like, it's not at all the same type of rhythm game. It, it's a rhythm game, but it's presented very differently. So Taiko Drum Master is, you know, kind of like Guitar Hero or Donkey Konga scrolling across the screen. You drum when it goes into the circle. Gal Metal, um, you're finding an alien invasion, and it all plays out through manga-style panels on the screen as you drum. So there's no, like, visual cues in the same way. But gameplay-wise... It's kind of the same. Like, you're still air drumming. It's just funny that we now have these two back-to-back air drumming games where there's no tactile feel for the one instrument that probably more than anything else requires tactile feel. Like, I don't know. Like, at least in the case of Gal Metal, Exceed's actually doing a physical version for those who want it. So on the eShop, you can get the core game for 30 bucks. But if you choose to go physical with Gal Metal, they're coming out with a special World Tour edition that'll cost $10 more dollars but comes with all the DLC pre-installed, which means you're actually going to get five new characters, each with their own episodes and stories and songs. So, Xyz putting a little more effort into it, but again, no one's letting you drum with a real drum in a game about drumming. It's bizarre. Like, I guess... I guess ten years on, Wii Music's influence is finally felt. Like, Wii Music was the weirdest thing because you didn't have any actual instruments, and it did alright, I guess, is the first Air Instrument video game. It had questionable results, you could say. But now here we are, ten years later, quite the slow burn, and all these publishers are like, what if we did Air Instruments and then release them weeks apart? It's, I don't know, it's it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. Like, I might... I don't know, I might want to pick up Tyco, maybe, but it really depends on how the air drumming feels, so who knows. Well... If only there was a demo or something. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. I know in Japan there was, so maybe they'll do one here. But yeah, because it's kind of hard to judge like air drumming. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like even if you watch um like a video of it, I mean, what feels right for someone might not feel right for you. So exactly, yeah. I mean, I guess unless like you hear universal praise for it, like no one ever complains about the drumming. Then, right. Then I guess you have nothing to lose. It just strikes me as so weird. Like I get like you don't have a car when you're playing a racing. It's gonna game. look so weird. Yeah, you're just seeing in room flailing up high, and people are like, yeah, he's just playing Tycho or Gal Metal. And how are there two? <laughs> like, what are the odds? But anyway, the, Bam- the uh, Bandai Namco weirdness doesn't stop there. They also announced <clears throat> another game coming west, Digimon Survive. Now, to be fair to Digimon, this is not weird in the same way as the Tycho situation. It's just not a direction I think may expect the franchise to go in. Especially for his 20th anniversary. Well, does it take place <clears> in the <throat> mansion <clears throat> and zombified <clears throat> Digimon what? are after you? No. So here's the premise. And yeah, my voice totally gave out, but now it's back and better than ever. Uh, is, so it a, the game... is it a spiritual sequel to Metal Gear Survive? Or is it no. the same series? Because it's a Survive series. So Metal Gear, they weren't building nukes or robots or whatever Metal Gear is about. They were building Digimon. And this is that game. Oh. Death Stranding is a Digimon game. Has been from the start. No, um, this game, it's just, it's so, yeah, it's just not, l- let me explain it. There are four friends who go camping. They get lost while camping and end up in a world of Digimon. Sounds fun, right? Each is teamed up with one specific Digimon, so naturally the protagonist has Agumon on his side. And together they have to find a way back home. Innocent enough, right? Oh, 20th anniversary of the cartoon. Okay, yeah, this sounds pleasant. Where things go unexpected is the direction in the gameplay, and more importantly, in the tone. 
So gameplay-wise, sounds kind of interesting. You've got two elements. There's a visual novel portion where you go through dialogue trees and every answer you choose kind of dictates which ending you get in the game and how your Digimon can digivolve. And then there's a strategy RPG element where your Digimon all head into these multi-level battlefields and use their abilities to digivolve and whatnot to fight. And the, the battles almost have kind of like a Final Fantasy Tactics look to them. Like the different terrain heights actually seem pretty crucial to the battle, which is kind of interesting. But what caught me off guard is the tone. Now granted, my Digimon knowledge stops with the old anime, so maybe I'm just out of the loop. But I did not expect the game to be so somber. Like, it starts with this really soft piano music, and it's all like, oh, you're trapped in a Digimon world. It's like, oh, is this bad that you're trapped in a Digimon world? And then in big, bold layers, it just shouts across the screen, it's a game full of death and destruction. And I'm like, wait, what? Digimon? Like, none of this is a bad idea, per se. I actually like the look of the game. I think the visual and all components cool. It's just death and destruction in Digimon like your life is at stake like things are super sad and moody in Digimon like imagine if a Pokemon game came out where you're playing as Nurse Joy together with Chansey and you're saving your daughter from leukemia it's like what where's that coming from like it just makes it's total out of feel I mean granted my example's a little hey, more man. extreme the market has grown up all those kids they targeted back when they were little now they're adults and they need something more grittier possibly yeah they need death and destruction in all caps and I'll, I'll be fair my example of a child with leukemia being cured by nurse joy is way more ridiculous and sad of a video game than you got lost in a digimon world and you don't want to die but it's just like so random hmm. i don't know i mean the game itself looks actually like the visual novel thing's kind of cool it's an interesting approach. It kind of is a nice nod to the anime where it's more story-driven. But, I mean, we'll, we'll find out in 2019 if it's actually any good. That's when the game's coming to Switch for the 20th anniversary. Uh, it's a good while for me to get used to the idea of how death and destruction could be start such a key part of um, Digimon. But, yeah, I just did not... Watching that trailer, it went in many directions I did not expect. Yeah. So... I mean, you watched a little more Digimon than I did, didn't you? Like, what is Death and Destruction and, like, somber, soft piano music normal for that franchise? I don't think so. Kind of is, actually. Is it? Yeah. Really? There were a few. I mean, I only watched, like, I guess, what I consider is probably more than a season, but the first big arc that followed those five kids up until they yeah. changed all those kids. Right. And, I mean... Like, I know they yeah, dealt with the, mental illness in one of the seasons, but that's not I the mean, same I mean, as, like... I mean, there were, there were a few, like, deaths in that during that arc that you could say were very sad and very, like, oh, man, and there was, like, a lot of... But the whole show was centered around it. Like No, game but it, it definitely... I mean, overall, I mean, overall, though, the show, now that I think about it, never really had that much of a uplifting huh. tone. It always kind of had, like, a like a gloomy tone laying over everything because from the beginning like two of the main characters one of them I, if I recall correctly Matt he was kind of like this moody guy that kind of left off on himself because he didn't really know what his place was or something like mm-hmm. that then there was this other girl that had some other issues and which by the way really weird way to sell a toy because like Digimon was Bandai like what if we make Tamagotchis for boys and hop on the Pokemon more... bandwagon and let's make a cartoon to go with it it, it was more real than Pokemon which is weird because again it was selling a Tamagotchi yeah it's like I guess it's for all the emo kids like oh do you want Tamagotchi but you're too emo I mean, well have I you mean, met Agumon I mean it had some I mean it had some like obviously happy moments well yeah but, of course of course I mean it definitely had a I would say a much more interesting story than Pokemon. But Are you telling me you didn't shed a tear when Ash let that Butterfree go with its other Butterfrees? I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> I did. I'm just saying that I know, overall. I, I mean, that's like, you're naming like the one good episode or like the one episode that had that kind of thing in like the whole 
I can't even think of another episode of that. With that, like that. There's one that Pikachu almost left him to go live with all the other Pikachus, which mm. is the same plot as the Butterfree, just with a different outcome. Yeah, I mean, even even nothing. They wrote a song about how hard it is to say goodbye, but sometimes you have to say goodbye. It was on Pokemon To Be a Master, a wonderful cassette that I recommend to all. No, I know. I, I edited <laughs> a. I think I, I, we made a eulogy for you, like back in college, with that music. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Wait, did I die? <laughs> I have a I have a video. It's just like Jason, like, 1989 to 2000, whenever that video. Why? Was made. Why? Why? Were you guys planning to kill me? Probably. So. Um, <laughs> This has been a great podcast. I'm now going to leave immediately. No, we actually still have games to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll find it. I think it's on my computer Please somewhere. do. That's slightly horrifying, but also I'm really intrigued. Mostly because of your use of the great music of Pokemon to be a master, available on cassette everywhere. But <laughs> that's my first yeah, ever sure you cassette. Can find it on iTunes. Yeah, you can. Don't undercut my, my joke. I mean, it makes it less funny than it already wasn't. But Yeah, so before this gets any weirder... Or more morbid because apparently I'm dead. Perhaps perhaps it's best to just wrap up the news and we just talk about what we're playing, and then we just end this thing before you shank me on air. So um, that brings us to Fortnite and Warrior Gold. Basically, uh, we both finally got a chance to play Fortnite. Although, as you were saying when you were talking about Mexico, you definitely put in more time at this point than me. So, what do you think of Fortnite? Um, Fortnite. I mean, overall, it's just a really fun game. It's a and scene <laughs> and scene um yeah i don't i don't really play a lot of first person shooter games and this one is i mean it's mainly third person yeah it's like there's no well, I, I, well i'm gonna say shooter i just by default yeah, said first yeah, person yeah. I, I have it i get it yeah because they're kind of one yeah. and the same um but i don't know i mean this one honestly if it wasn't for the fact that i had people to play with i probably wouldn't really bother with it see that was my problem with it but fish yours i'll chime in <laughs> but but that's because um like these kinds of games like and there's a bunch of these kinds of games where like they're only really funny if you play with other people like you would never play crawl by yourself it would get boring really fast it would feel like not as hectic or even just eh, it would just get boring but this game um i mean i i guess because this is a relatively new genre like two or three years now that like since battle, battle Gra- royale yeah. yeah since battlegrounds came out yep like it's very it's very weird like you either it's random like you you jump off a bus the party bus and you just land into an open world and the open world is pretty big and what's really neat is that i mean if you take a few moments to just ignore the conflict and you just explore for a little while you can find some kind of neat things that they just put in there for flavor like you can find a little soccer field you could kick a ball into the goal yeah it's actually like a fully developed world it's like a playground i mean there's literally a playground mode they've since added so yeah it's literally like a playground it's cool it's, it's really polished it's it's nice. It's actually really impressive just how much I thought they put into this like little, it's not even little, this big map. And I can see why people don't really get tired of the map because it's so big and... It's you, hard to have the same situation. Yeah, you, yeah. you could land some... You literally get to pick where you land, which is probably the nicest part because you could keep it fresh for a while. Yeah. And on top of that, like after, let's say, a minute, like the storm comes in and then it tells you, all right, everyone that's not in this small section of the map, which at that point I think is like maybe like 20% of the entire map mm. like will die if they're not in there soon and then that turns into like 50% of that size and at some point it it's keeps so, shrinking in the walls yeah, yeah and, at, and at some point it's so small that you can literally the whole thing you could it's like 10 steps like the diameter is like 10 steps yeah. but by then you're most likely dead let's be real yeah yeah and yeah and you start with 100 people you could go and loot some stuff build up your armor get some weapons and 
eventually you want to take that initial time in the beginning to like prepare yourself for the inevitable conflict because at some point you will get ambushed there will be a lot of gunfire so it's like the it's literally the calm before the storm it can, it's like both literally and figuratively yeah and i see what you did there and that's what i like about it like because i mean me like even when i'm playing with like my brothers and my cousins which we were a lot i did like that i could like land far away from them just because i just wanted to mainly i wanted to build like find places so i can get armor because you die really fast and people are really good and they can get, give you like some a few headshots and you're dead yep and because there were other times where i was like you know what i'm pretty sure i could hold my own so i would purposely land where there were i knew like other people were landing you could literally see them land and i would land just near them but by the time i land I, i'm already dead so it's almost like landing it's its own game where you have to figure that out and it can't i mean it is a very competitive game there's already like big tournaments for it so yeah like a million dollars invested yeah, by uh, epic into it yeah. yeah there's a meta for landing there's a meta for how you build your stuff there's a meta for everything about that game and also just the accessibility is really nice it definitely feels like a actually no i take that back it's it feels accessible that you could just kind of jump in and play but i still feel like need... getting used to the building mechanics and yes. the shooting mechanics still takes a lot of time to get used to i'm still not fully used to them yeah it still feels kind of weird going from actually even going from like my pickaxe mode to my normal weapons mode to my building mode where you then have the option to build between ceilings floors walls and pyramids and there are easier ways of doing that and my cousin showed me that i could just press a and map the building to all the shoulder buttons so if i press the bottom analog like the bottom trigger it automatically builds the floor versus Wait, the ceiling and stuff what? like that so it's like short- i didn't know that either because the default is a little more cumbersome. You yeah. have to you have press, to scroll through. Everything. Yeah, you have to scroll through yeah. them, or you could just hotkey them, which uh, is even much, which yeah, which is much much better. And just setting up games is actually really fast and easy, which is really nice. You just need to send them a friend code. Well, not even a friend code. Just send them a friend request on the Epic Friend. What's nice service. is if you uh, if you're staying within the Switch, it can automatically import your Nintendo friends, Nintendo yeah. account friends. So all my Nintendo account people are already there. Which means I am not there because... Correct, but we should maybe... Maybe? Okay. No, you have to... You just have to earn that. It's been over a year. It's pretty interesting. I actually erased the the friend request a few days ago. And and I saw that it was from like 2016. And I was like, damn. Really? It's from 2016? Because the Switch... I mean, sorry. I'm sorry. 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 It's from 2017. (laughs) Wow, you're just making me look way worse than humanly possible. No, it was like from... It was like around June 2017 or something like that. Sure. That Which, sounds close enough to real. Yeah, because it was around Splatoon time. Yeah. but So that'd be July. Not to keep correcting you, but if you're going to make me look bad, and God, make I sure said it was around Splatoon time, so I'm not sure. All right. It was yeah. after it came out. So yeah. It was August. You're helping. Um. Anyway. Yeah, like we played with like Switch to iPad, Switch to iPhone, Switch to like phone to phone. We and then, But they also have a PS4, and it was kind of annoying that like with the PS4, we were able to have the setup with the PS4 and, like, my iPad and, like, two other phones so we could have four players. But we couldn't do PS4, Switch, iPad, and one phone. Because, it's all Sony's fault. Yeah, because it just can't... Yeah, Sony just doesn't want to play with other consoles. And uh, it just doesn't make sense. Like, even consoles are no, even technically not. more safer than... I mean, if you're already com- if you're already letting the PS4 crossplay... It's not cross a safety play- thing. It's a money thing. No, I know, but if... You- yeah, it's just dumb. It's a money thing. That's why Nintendo and Microsoft are doing ads together for playing together in Minecraft because they are leveraging that yep. stupidity to their advantage. 
it could have made it a lot easier but as a result i'm actually just gonna play it on my ps4 now from going forward because now you I can let just... sony win until sony, I let sony... oh you let sony win oh, yeah, i guess so yeah well, i mean it, it looks it's like it, it also looks nicer on there yeah well yeah that makes sense yeah and the yeah, that's pretty much the And I guess you all play on the go use your phone or iPad. Yeah, I mean... I'm or not occasionally. Gonna, I mean, I'm not going to uninstall it, but... And yeah. the nice thing is that it uses the same account. So... Right. Yeah. So it's all, all, all it's my, silly All there. my progress, everything I get will still be yeah. saved. Which just makes it feel even more stupid that I can't just, like... They can't play with Sony, each other. Sony. I know, it's... But I, I do I do think... It, you... it feels like I'm taking a cartridge that is compatible with the Switch and the PS4, but I can't... They can't communicate with each other. I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. But anyway... Yeah, I digress. It yeah, it's it you know Fortnite's interesting because so you played with your family a lot. It sounded like I played it when I played it. I played it solo, no voice chat, whatever. I will say, and I think this is true even if you play in squads because you're talking about how sometimes you go explore first. It is a lot slower paced, generally speaking, than I expected. Like I was kind of thinking going into it, oh, it's gonna be like you know Team Fortress or Overwatch or any first person or third person shooter in the more traditional sense. Oh, no. It's not. No, because you do spend a lot of time yeah. resource collecting, building, finding things, exploring things. It's really cool because it's like this whole open world. It's like the Breath of the Wild of shooters. Because that's, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> like that's really what it is. Because, like, I mean, you just get, I mean, Fortnite, I mean, no, sorry, not Fortnite, Overwatch, Call of Duty, like those kind of games. Like, yeah. Like, they're controlled. Yeah. Like, and this is not. Yeah. yeah. Which so. I didn't really think about going into it. But, yeah, it, the analogy I just gave, like, Breath of the Wild for shooters is probably the most apt because it really is much like Breath of the Wild you kind of set your pace you kind of set your goals you kind of do what you want so if you want to until drop... it turns into the other one because right. it does eventually. well yeah because so, yeah, they need to it's competitive so they have to limit it with yeah. in some sort of time constraint so oh yeah it would be ridiculously boring if like the storm wasn't a thing well yeah no it has to yeah. be a thing I'm yeah. glad it's a thing but but what's funny is like so I'll spend you know I'll drop in I'll spend 10 or 15 minutes walking around finding people whatever because again I'm playing not with a squad not with friends not with voice chat on I'm just kind of exploring which is the wrong way to play I'm pretty sure but um, I'll be doing that and then finally I'm like alright time to time to go fight some folk and I don't have enough armor of course and I get there and it's like boom dead okay so it's like 15 minutes of exploring and then 10 seconds of actual fighting and then I'm gone and then you restart and you do it again but there is some even solo a bit of an addictive quality like no 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 next time I'll next time I'll survive obviously so you go back in and you do it again and then you die again it's kind of nice like just seeing the numbers drop because there is a counter that goes from 100 to yeah. 1 obviously on the yeah. side and there is like, a, like even if you're not doing anything there's a sense of satisfaction when you see like the number like dip below 80 then 70 the then first 60. time I played I did uh, fifth, no I did 100 free for all 16th and that's because I was just wow. walking around <laughs> so yeah. I was like I didn't even know that's what, like how I played or how to play or not to play I was just walking around I'm like 16th I yeah okay so I went back in and then I got like 40th and I'm like oh well that's still not bad and I slowly started going up as I started to try to play right but when I was playing wrong I did great um, but no, my point is like it's interesting in that it's so different from every other shooter, and it is. It's like once you realize the pacing's different, once you realize there's a whole different mentality going into it, and I haven't even touched any of the metagame stuff because again, it's not like I've talked to anyone. I know I can't even played in a squad. I just didn't get into Thor mode. I mean, but, Thor mode, Thanos mode. Yeah, I know. I wish I had played that, but but cool. yeah, it's just like it's just kind of a cool experience to like be in, especially because they do this really awesome thing where. It's a living, breathing world. Like we, I touched on this briefly last episode, but the fact that 
things happen in the game, and if you miss them, you miss them. Like the sky dimension cracking thing that happened about a month ago, or the Thanos mode for a few days or whatever. Like it's really you have to be part of this living, breathing ecosystem that just happens to be in this game if you want to experience those things. Much like in real life, if you don't happen to be there, you might feel FOMO, and that's that. Like it's just kind of, it's interesting. It's different than how other games have done stuff like that before. So it makes in many ways for a very unique experience. Yeah. Even though there's you know now there's obviously PUBG still around and now there's Crazy Justice coming out. So there are other games that kind of fit this mold. But in terms of like just the execution and the the whole all-encompassing vision of it, I feel like Fortnite's at the forefront. Although to Crazy Justice's credit, we had a chance to we had a chance to try that at uh, E3. It visually and functionally is pretty similar to Fortnite, but what's amazing about it is it's made by two brothers yeah. and no one else. <laughs> like, may, I think they might have a couple support devs, but I think they two dudes. added some people to the team. I'm not sure yeah, I think they add some to get because it was supposed to come out a couple weeks after we played it at E3 and it's still not out. Yeah. So I think they add some folks to Yeah, test well, I mean, that. I'm sure they had more, but like if all they had to sh- if all if what they had was all they showed... They definitely have a long way to go to complete yeah. what they promised. But considering yeah. how far they got with how many people they had, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so like Fortnite, you know, and, and Crazy Justice will hopefully differentiate itself once it comes out because it has like a whole yeah, card way, ability system on top yeah. of the main game. So you could almost have class, like a class system. Otherwise, they have but, the really uphill. But, and you know what's unfortunate? Like, it, yeah. it might already be too late. You Just, think? I think so, and that's only because of what happened to Battle... What was that game called? Battleborn? I think it was Battleborn. It was like Battleborn and Overwatch. They were... Oh, yeah. They were very... They were pretty different games. Lawbreakers. No, not Lawbreakers. Oh, no, Lawbreakers tried to do a, a Battle Royale mode, and that failed. Yeah. Yeah, so when Overwatch came out, it was like it was a hero... It was a hero shooter game. Yeah. A team-based hero shooter game. Um, Battleborn was also a team-based hero shooter game. But I think that one was made by the people that made, um, not Badlands. It's like a a very cel shaded looking game. That's oh, like um, with the guy shooting himself. Badlands. No, no, not. Badlands is the subtitle. It's not it's, called uh, no, that's the subtitle of the Vita version. Um, no, it is bad. Wait, hold no, on. No, 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 no. We had the internet. No, no. Someone's shouting at their computer. Guys, it's doing. No, don't look it up. I'm looking it up. We're, no. we're gonna be here forever. Then we're then... Our, our shows are already long enough. <laughs> it's uh. Badlands National Park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're thinking of the game by Gearbox. It's by Gearbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they have a... Ah! Do you want a hint? Yeah. Boar? Oh, Borderlands. There you go. Yeah, Borderlands. Yeah, so it's made by those people. And like my, like, I always played the game for a while, my brother. And he really liked it. it. That one was more of a... You have your team. You have your heroes. And you're supposed to take over their territory. But it was it played out more like a... Like a Dota or League of Legends, right? Where it was more, it was strategy based. You level up your character as you go along. This evolution tree that restart right, in right. every new game, blah blah blah. And Overwatch is more like a modern take on Team Fortress. Mm-hmm. Like it's very rapid fire. It's, you have some minor objectives, but it's not as involved. Like one match in Battleborn might take you like thirty minutes, versus Overwatch will take you like ten. Right. But because they're both hero based shooters, they got a lot of. Flash and yeah. one of them pretty much died almost instantly, and the that other one, one is yeah. now having its own league that took over J Lo's studio. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like that's kind of what's happening to this one. Yeah, with Crazy Justice, I it's mean, also indie. So I mean, it, it doesn't have the marketing. 
push yeah, yeah unfortunately like unfortunately. no matter like no matter what it's gonna do because it looks similar as you said and, yeah. and as we saw like it's just and even when you play it it feels it's just it's, it's and not to mention um fortnite's already free like it's, yeah it's, crazy it's, it's, justice it's gonna be like a yeah they got the rug pulled out from under them because they were gonna come out back when fortnite wasn't even it's on unfortunate, the, but wasn't it, even part of the switch conversation yeah it's more like crazy injustice that it's gonna be suffering I wish we could just end the podcast there, but I still want to talk about WarioWare. But that's such a perfect end note. It's just like, crazy justice, my crazy injustice, see you in two weeks. But no, it's... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's even happening to PUBG, like, Fortnite... Fortnite is, doing, is just... Fortnite yeah. doing so well that it overtook the one that started PUBG is still super big in China, but Fortnite's about to come to China, and then it's over. Yeah, they tried suing them. And... Yeah, and then they backed off. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so Fortnite, the point is, it's a cool game, and it's going to ruin everything else you like about gaming. So just, like, yeah, so, get in. Yeah, no, but I think I need. If, I want to play think, it right. If you're thinking about making a a one, a everybody versus everybody hundred style game, don't. Because right they're making literally any other genre. <laughs> yeah, make it night versus ninety nine. No, oh. oh, that'll be no different. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that's yeah. Fortnite. Maybe I'll I, friend you one day and we can actually play it. That sounds like a grand old time. I'm not expecting it anytime soon. Well, it doesn't take much. It's Destiny's in my hand. Yeah, okay. Anyway, you know why I didn't do that? Because I was too busy playing a different game. WarioWare Gold. I know that's not true. Beautiful transition. Thank you for the applause. Let me take a bow. Like a three-hour game. So WarioWare Gold is not a three-hour game. It's a three-hour story with more replayability afterwards. So there. But no, WarioWare, uh, I, I just, WarioWare is one of my all-time favorite franchises. So more than anything else, I'm just happy that I got to be playing another entry in the franchise. A new entry in the franchise. But new is a term that I can only use loosely with WarioWare Gold because it is um, a compilation more than anything else. Out of the 300 or so microgames in WarioWare Gold, I believe there are 50 that are actually new. But, but if you look at Gold as a standalone game, it's pretty great. The game is structured a lot like the older WarioWares. Um, you unlock new microgames by moving through a series of story vignettes about each character. What's different here is that it offers different input methods. So each of the other WarioWares focused on one specific thing, right? But with this one, the game breaks uh, breaks up the different control methods into four categories. You got mash for button controls, twist for motion controls, touch for touch controls and uh, Blow for a handful of micro microphone-based games. And the game initially breaks these up into diff in the story mode into what they call different leagues. So there's like the Touch League, the, you know, the Twist, Twist League. League. And those are all centered around each input, obviously. And each league has four characters and their stories assigned to them. But what's kind of uh, interesting about this is that it means the games you play the the themes of each micro game actually kind of repeat a little sooner like i know they always double back but there are five themes as i think is the case in most warrior wears i think there used to be more i don't know but there's intro which is all the wario themed ones there's sports there's fantasy there's that's life which is the random stuff and then of course the nintendo classics so you have a set of each of these themed games for each of the control types so you actually, it actually feels like you're getting more Nintendo-themed games than you're used to getting, which is kind of a nice, and true for the other ones too, but that in particular is kind of nice. But what's cool, and my favorite thing, is that once you beat the main story, which as you noted only takes a few hours, you're then given the Ultra option for the micro games, which combines all of them into one bucket. So when this happens, the game will on the fly have you switching between buttons, touch, motion, microphone, all that. Uh, it works similar to how Smooth Moves did it back on the Wii. Like, I don't know if I remember Smooth Moves before each micro game. It'd be like, okay, here's the pose you make with the controller. Now here's the micro game. So in this, what it does with, in gold is um, 
along with the specific prompt for the micro game, like whatever it may be, there's an icon directly above it that shows you what control input to use. So you're on the fly switching all the different inputs. And this is honestly where gold is at its absolute best because it's frantic, it's chaotic. It definitely sounds a little better than um, where we're touched. Like after you go through like the rubbing, dragging, yeah. blowing, like different types of touch games, at the end you have these three bears that mix them all together. Right, I remember and that. Unless like, you kind of just knew them by memory, some yeah. of them like you do, yeah, it's kind of hard to figure out right away. Right, but and no, and that one it was because it's all the same control input. It didn't like say, "Oh, now it's this yeah. versus that." But what's cool about this is it's telling you. But as you're, you know, as it speeds up, as you reach the higher levels of difficulty, because that's what Warrior is all about, is like you're going real quick between like, "Oh, is this a touch or a twist?" Like it tells you, but you're still like, "Oh, wait, I hit A. No, I need a twist real fast." Or like, the worst one for me is I was insisting for a while on continuing to use the stylus for every touch game. I would scramble to get the stylus. Like I'd be lying on the couch, right, and I'd have I'd be holding the 3ds up, and they'd be like touch and i'd be like oh and i like grab the stylus off my stomach and then i'd miss the game because it was like i dropped the stylus so i started wow. just using my finger but just like that extra franticness was kind of fun but um beyond just story mode though there is a decent amount of stuff to do which is good because again story mode is short which is true of every warioware uh but there's a challenges section where you have assortment of rifts on the main gameplay there's like an endless mode you can see how high you can get there's a one and done sun death mode this is standard warioware stuff but uh there's also um multiplayer support which other warriors have had. Um, in this one, you get to compete with a friend. It requires both of you to own a copy of the game. That's kind of a bit of a bummer, honestly, given how multiplayer-ready so many other entries in the series have been off just one copy. Like, warrior, a huge part of it is the multiplayer, so it's kind of lame that they sort of are limiting it this much, and it's such like a on the, like pushed-off-to-the-side sort of option, but what whatever, I guess. But for um, diehard WarioWare fans, there's a new thing called Mission Mode, which is kind of neat. It's essentially achievements. So you earn coins for completing specific tasks. They can range from things like getting a specific score on a given character's microgame set to you know unlocking all the microgames of that character, that sort of thing. And it's absolutely 100% an artificial way of inflating the replay value of the game. But since WarioWare is ultimately and has ultimately been a game about earning high scores doesn't really feel all that out of place it feels kind of cool to be like oh yeah i unlocked this other thing and you get coins for unlocking it and uh you know as has been in the case as has been the case in past warrior wares the coins you earn from everything be it the missions the story mode what have you those are all used to get weird unlockables and as is the case with the rest of gold that's a mix of old stuff and new stuff so like i don't know if you remember warrior twisted they had that telephone feature where you could twist the system to turn a rotary phone and then you get like, depending on what codes you enter, you get like random dialogue from characters. That's back. It's a whole subsection of the unlockables now. Uh, so so that's there for people who, I guess, enjoyed that. And then they also brought back some classic mini games like the Poyoro, you know, the one with the bird that sticks his tongue out to collect the beans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That literally spun off into a DSiWare game back in the day, Bird and Bean, for those who remember that. But that's back here as well in full. Um, and they also have random objects, some familiar, some new. This time they included, uh, this was actually kind of neat, it's a full 3D model of a 3DS, and you can turn it on if you touch the power button, and you can run WarioWare on a 3DS on your 3DS that's running WarioWare. Little inception-y, but basically you're like tapping the A button on the touchscreen of, of your 3DS, you're tapping the virtual A button to play WarioWare on the other 3DS. Which is the most like ridiculous random WarioWare thing in the game, probably. But I, I just thought it was kind of funny. And they also actually extended the um, like the unlockables to include interesting little things of Nintendo history. Like they're almost like the trophies of Smash Bros, except for hardware. 
So you get it's what amount to essentially photos with brief descriptions of everything from like Nintendo's old Lego knockoffs they made in the eighties, the A and B blocks, like the color TV game systems they made in the seventies, uh, which are like sort of game consoles, but sort of game and watches just plug into the TV. Um, and I think I just said N, N and B blocks were the eighties. I think they were also the seventies or maybe even the sixties. But um, yeah, like I said, each is just a photo, but it's just kind of a cool little history lesson that you can unlock as you play. Um, and to, and to be fair, there's new stuff in there, like new mini games in there too. They're actually more interesting. Um, they made a sequel to Mutroid from Warrior Twisted. It's called Mutroid Two: Return of Samyao. So best it, game ever. Yeah. So if you like cats, there's that. Um, I mean, it's they could have just ported it over like they did the telephone, but they actually made a sequel, so that's kind of nice. More impressively, there's a hidden mode you can unlock way later. Minor spoiler here. It's called Wario Card, and uh. I haven't done it myself yet, but it's apparently a whole self-contained game where these seemingly random character cards you unlock throughout most of WarioWare um, are actually used in the game to do battle against enemies. So from my understanding, it's like a full-on RPG. You have a certain amount of HP, or your enemy has a certain amount of HP you have to knock down. You're given Ted cards pulled from your deck, and the cards all have different attributes. You have to kind of figure out the best way to use them to, against that enemy. It's like a whole little RPG just tucked into, the, into WarioWare. And I think that sort of, like, hidden game within a game, the randomness of it even being there, is what I love about WarioWare in general. So as someone who's played all the WarioWare games, it is a bit disappointing that Gold is mostly a compilation, since it means that there just isn't a ton of surprises or really, truly random things, be it but micro games it or unlockables. As? That is what it was billed as. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, it's not truly a new WarioWare. To go back to my initial point where I, I was using new loosely. Like, everything about it's great, except, like, if you want a new WarioWare, it's not really that. Like, even the toys are a bit lacking. Simply because in past WarioWares, they play up to the system's unique inputs. Like, all the WarioWares are based around, oh, the DS has touch. Now we have twists. Now we have, you know, Game & Wario, two screens. Yeah, I do remember that, like, a lot of the toys were... I don't know, I, I guess they were fleshed out enough. Like, yeah. I mean, a lot of them were literally just like they only did one thing, but they felt fleshed out enough that you could literally waste time with them for like almost like 10 minutes. And you, and there is one in this one that does that. To this, to Gold's credit, they have the Amiibo painting where you could scan all your Amiibo and WarioWare does these crude, or WarioWare, Wario does these crude drawings of them, except when it's of one of himself, and then it's the most beautiful painting you've ever seen, naturally. But uh, So that's kind of cool, and that plays up to the strengths of the 3DS with the NFC. But yeah, the rest is just like, you know, they just feel a little more not tied in as thematically. Like, there's an alarm clock you can set, all different characters. You can close the 3DS, and then they'll actually go off at the time you set. So that's kind of neat, I guess. But like, don't get me wrong. What's included is great. It's just a lot feels familiar because it's a compilation, which is how they're billing it. And, like, Nintendo does a good job of presenting all the familiar content in a shiny new package. Like, the cutscenes are fully voiced for the first time. Uh, with the exception of maybe Jimmy T's voice being not deep and gruff enough, in my opinion, I actually like the voice acting a lot. Like, it seems weird for, like, a minute, but then you just get totally used to it. Orbulon and Mike, in particular, are two of the best voices in the game. Mike's great. Yeah. Also, Frank. Although, A, I didn't know Frank is so old. Apparently, Frank's really old. And B, he, like, talks, which I didn't think he did. <laughs> so that was a little surprising. But, um, yeah, I also like how... He's one year old. Apparently, but like, but he's Fron- also like in Frank age. Yeah, that's in, like in Frank years, eighty yeah. apparently. And he, and also, I do like how the stories more so. I feel like than another warrior wears, they all sort of come together by the end. I mean, they're all like bits and pieces, but then the compilation ones where the ultra mode where you're playing all different mini games, yeah. like all the characters mix and mingle more than I feel like they have before, which is kind of nice. It feels more like a world. Yeah, they always 
mingle at the end, but but, it's not, not, but, but, but yeah, but not the way they do in the third. It's really cool. I do like how I mean, obviously because yeah, it's Wario, all the cutscenes, right? Yeah, like since it's a Wario where you have, I mean, it's the people that made Rhythm Heaven, so there's like a ton of Rhythm Heaven Easter eggs. Yeah, like on like um seven volts. Like, his notebook has, like, the hue birds of happiness not drawn on there, like, very crudely, but, like, they're on there. Right. And then, like, I mean, those rabbits also come out, like, everywhere. And then there was, um... Yeah, the rabbits were the one I noticed immediately. Yeah, but, the, yeah, those hue birds were there. There was, um... Who else? Was there? there were, like, two other big ones that I noticed, but I'm drawing a blank right now. But, yeah. Yeah, it's um, cool. And, like, similarly... Hopefully I... that means that they haven't given up yet on that franchise. So. Yeah, I don't think they have. And similarly to the game's credit, I do like the new content that's included a lot. Like, the new micro games feel right at home. There's one where you do, like, five seconds of Fire Emblem. There's one where it's just as simple as snapping a Joy-Con onto a Switch. But, you know, they feel like oh, WarioWare. Yeah, one of the plush toys. Um, they, yeah. At one point, they, they mentioned a plush toy, and the plush toy was the main character from Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix, the dude, the pink dude with the bathro. That's why I recognize that. No wonder. Yeah. 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 There's also, um, speaking of micro games, just to backtrack for a sec, there's actually one I should mention. It's funny. Um, it's probably one of the more warrior wary of the bunch. There's a WarioWare game where you have to locate the move stylus slot on each iteration of the 3DS. Mm. And this is the same game, by the way, where the devs have replaced 9Volts Virtual Boy with a Wii U. So at least someone on that team has, like, no chill. They don't care about Nintendo being... They don't mind being snarky at Nintendo. It's... Yeah, they're they're going after stuff that's current or very close to current. So that's kind of funny. But beyond just those... I did like, like that they also retrofitted um, the Thief game from... Yes, Game I was about Warrior. to say that. I, literally, that's my next <laughs> point. Um, yeah. yeah. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, because one of the other cool things they do in gold is the boss battles are mostly new or tweaked in enough of a way that they feel new so like um five volt that's nine volts mom she has the old batting game from the old warrior wares where it's like you know the um the batting game but it's a lot more it's a lot more yeah but it's a lot more like fleshed out looking in this one or like most notably my my favorite is orvilons who as you know they retrofitted game of warriors thief so instead of it being a multiplayer thing where you have to guess yeah, together they turn it into a single player thing where they drop clues as you go yeah with the music and everything yeah it, it's literally called thief like it it start when it prompts you like your action it just says thief so so there's even game of wario nods in here which is cool but it's just that the issue is because it's a compilation there's just not that much of that new or more interesting stuff so I think your mileage is going to vary based somewhat on how much you've played past WarioWare games and what your expectations are. And how recently are. you played And how recently, yeah. So I mean, I, I haven't played them in a while, so I feel like I wouldn't mind. Right, which is my attitude. But if this is, I mean, first of all, if this is your first WarioWare, it offers some of the best of what the series has to offer. Um, the presentation's easily the best it's ever been. The microgame selection's good. It does not use 3D, but it makes sense because you're twisting it all the time, so why would Not even for the cutscenes? Not even for the cutscenes. Yikes. I mean, I'm fine with that. It, it that's would, ho- nope, that's horrible. Okay, well, even though they haven't used 3D for, I know, yeah, but um, but yeah, no, the microgame selection is good. Um, you're in for a treat with how unlockable the random, uh, how random, how unlockable the randoms, how random the unlockables get. If you have no idea what to expect from WarioWare, you're it will be fun. Like I can't recommend enough to get gold if you've never played WarioWare. Likewise, if you're like me and just love the series and haven't played it in a while, or if you have played it and just love it that much, it makes for a really fun revisit. Like I'm enjoying it. Just there's that lack of surprise, I guess. I mean, personally, like. I have no regrets with this purchase. I'm very happy with it. It's just one of the fun things about WarioWare is you never know what's going to happen next, but this time half the stuff that happens, I'm like, I didn't know that would happen specifically now, but I do recognize that from that other time. So that's just, it's just a little different, you know? But if you want like a good amount of new in your next WarioWare, this is not really that. 
the game really is in by Nintendo's current like budget system mentality for the 3DS. There's just enough here to make it genuinely work as a new release, but it's not really all that new. So just keep that in mind as you're going into it. Um, you know, gauge your expectations appropriately. Decide if you want based on that. But if you're a fan, it is good. If you've never played, it is great. So that's kind of my two cents on WarioWare. I'm very happy with it. Don't get me wrong. It's just it's missing the surprise. That's all. Speaking of surprises, oh, there aren't any. Wow, what a twist! You know what? The, you know, on that note, um, we should just end because if you're if you're just saying nothing, we should just end. So, <laughs> so I did leave everyone with this pondering thought. You know, everyone's deeply grappling with like, is this warrior for me? So I want you to let everyone think about that. So I'm just gonna, we should just end. So on that note, uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time. We'll be back on our normal every other Sunday schedule, which means episode 183 is coming up on August 19th. To make sure you don't miss it, as always, you can subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you use. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. We're also on YouTube at RandomNintendo.com, where each episode is going to be uploaded, so you can just subscribe to us there. And follow us on Twitter at RandomNintendo, because beyond just the podcast, or even just the podcast, there's stuff we send out into the ether we'd like you to be on the other end of that ether so so go on there follow us um you can also find us individually on twitter i am at jsr7 angel is wero w-e-i-r-o underscore o and yeah just about does it so i'm noticing my voice is starting to develop so maybe it's really good that we're stopping here that's also my instagram that is his instagram also my instagram wow, huh how convenient. funny how that works so follow us on all the plat on all the socials and all the podcasting apps and everything yay i don't know where i'm going this bye